Hey guys, welcome to the channel. Uh, welcome to another episode of Mark and Mitch Make a Scientology Film. Let's get Mitch in here. Hey guys. Afternoon, Afternoon Mitch. Afternoon. Um, we've got um, we've got a good film we're going to go over today. And I, when we originally talked about doing this film um, as the next one, I really couldn't think of any good stories about the film because I just remembered that we it was really three actors who do we have we had the film we're talking about today is TR12 the solo auditor and um right. and well actually why don't you set this one up Mitch because there was a reason I think the the reason we did this one early on was because I think Dave Miscavige wanted this specific film Yeah I mean uh, traditionally for years the solo course has been a bottleneck. Just the idea of solo auditing has been a bottleneck in Scientology. It goes all the way back to when Hubbard first dreamed up clear on an e-meter. Uh, the only problem was in order to become clear in Scientology uh, back in the 60s, you had to travel to St. Hill, England, and you had to take a course called the Spe St. Hill Special Briefing Course, which that course has been canceled by David Miscavige for God knows how long. You can no longer do it. But you had to become, you had to train to be a classics order auditor before you could solo audit. As a result, nobody was, it was a bottleneck. Nobody was going up the, the bridge. So Hubbard, he came up with this course he, and then he, he basically called the solo auditors course where he said, I've taken all of the best stuff from class six and I've put it in one course and I can train you to do this. And this is the big breakthrough. He called these things an undercut. When any yes. of his stuff started just going to shit and like nobody was doing it and it wasn't working, he'd come back and say, I did some research and I have an undercut. And there was always the next undercut. And yes. solo auditing was a big undercut, right, Mark? Well, to, to make sure people are, are up to speed, when you first get into Scientology and you have all these engrams that you need to resolve, <laughs> you can do that with Dianetics and it's just two people talking. But then as you right. get into Scientology, the addition of an e-meter comes into play, and then someone asks you questions, and they look at the e-meter and can tell – they kind of guide you. The, the, the e-meter is like a dividing rod in uh, Scientology counseling. It kind of tells you where to go and where not to go. And solo auditing – is when now instead of somebody asking you the questions and looking on the e-meter, you're asking yourself the, the, the questions in your mind and then you're answering the questions in your mind and you're looking at the e-meter to see if you're in the right area. Is that, that's pretty much a good act. I, I've yeah, never yeah, yeah. done any of no, these things No, that's totally fine. You're life. probably in a better position to explain it because you never did it. Because once you do it, <laughs> you're so lost in the confusion of body thetans and all this stuff. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And it's it's a great part of the con because it's too, really expensive and time-consuming to audit people. So Hubbard said, well, you know what? Auditing at this level is so fast that another person can't do it with you. You have to do it yourself. It's just yeah. a con. Everybody's like, whoa. Right. And so it's like it's it's a great way to up your income is rather than us having to dedicate auditors to auditing people, we'll just have them audit themselves. Right. Yeah. And but you know what I always thought was that? one of the things that I always thought after I left was it's too hard to have two people have so much cognitive dissonance about the same <laughs> stuff at the same time. Right. It, it makes it more convenient. 
if you are just in on this with yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If yeah. you add another person to this, one of them is going to be like, Dude, can you believe we're doing this right now? Like, yeah, this you, seems no, like a bunch of nonsense. I, you're right. You're right. Because <laughs> nobody's better at suckering you into something than you. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was, I realized yeah. when, when, when yeah. we were just about to talk about this, I was like, really? You can, you can only do this by yourself because otherwise somebody would talk you out of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, the, this film is about solo auditing. Uh, and just to talk a little about about the course that the film teaches you, uh, what's on the course, there's basically two things you're going to learn on this course. You're going to learn how to use the e-meter uh, so that you can perform the solo auditing. And you're going to learn how to clairvoyantly address what you will become known to you as your body things. This is where you learn... My dog is tangled up in my mic, my mic cord. Sorry. This is where you learn to telepathically communicate to your body things, and you'll do this mostly by screaming at ashtrays. This is yes. a course where you do a lot of yelling at ashtrays, big heavy glass ashtrays, telling them to stand up, thanking them for standing up, telling them to sit down, and so forth. And then you'll do a lot of emitter drills. There's a couple of these emitter drills. I think it's 22 and 24. I don't remember. They're date locate, right? You'll, you'll remember this. From yeah. So somebody, so you are sitting um, with your e-meter and then someone is holding the, the cans that are connected to the e-meter and they're supposed to think of a date. And this date. They write it be, on a piece of paper. Yeah. It's like a think, parlor trick, like a parlor game. Yes. They have to, they basically have to write, it could be 5 trillion, 782 million years ago and to the day. No, like to the, the whole, second. You eventually have second. to do it to the second, eventually. And then the person on the e-meter has to say, is it earlier than 10 million years ago? Is it <laughs> earlier than 10 trillion? And then the e-meter is supposed to guide them to the right date. They're, the other person that's sitting in the chair just sits there. And, to, and, you, and, and I remember that students would be on this drill for months and months and oh, months. It, they, it's they, enough they, to make you want to unalive yourself. <laughs> Most a, a good number of people finish it in what's called qual. In other words, they finish it under the technical supervision of the most technical people in the organization. It's absolutely crazy. And there is a kind of pathway through doing it successfully. And that pathway leads through this weird kind of, of biofeedback where the other person is kind of figuring out your tells because everybody has tells, right? Yes. Probably this, this emitter drill probably makes you into a better poker player. I don't know. I, I think all Scientology things make you into a better poker player because you <laughs> become probably. because you become a robot version of yourself that doesn't show emotion. Yeah. So yeah. if you really wanted to be able to not show emotions, if you just did the what they call um the Scientology TRs up, I think what up to like t t 10 or eight or whatever it yeah. is when you just the beginning ones, one through zero yeah, through just four. Up to four. Yeah. yeah zero zero through four. four. If you can get through those, you could be an amazing poker player. Yeah. And it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because I know a Scientologist who happens to be an OT who is a professional, has pr played professional poker and won a lot of money. Wow. And, yeah. There, I, I absolutely know one. <laughs> 
but you so, still have to be smart and know what hands to play and all that. But yeah, as far as, course, as, far as a, a poker face goes, this could yeah, take care of that. Right. One as aspect. far as controlling <laughs> your physicality, your emotions, yes. all those things that apparently are important in poker. Yeah, but there are Mark, come on, there's a lot of smart people in Scientology. So sure. There are <laughs> doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense, but yes, there are. Yeah, I know. To me, it does. It actually does. Some people are just too stupid to join a cult. Hold on. I didn't mean that. Before you come after me, I did not mean that. Uh, but no, there, it, a, lot of, there, a lot of people are attracted because they they really are looking for an alternative, you know, countercultural kind of experience. They're interested in the spiritual. They're They're highly idealistic. You know, these are, you know, and they're some very clever uh, high demand groups out there that will sucker you in. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about though. We're here to talk about the film TR12. That's right. So so this film takes you through how to uh Sorry. you know, there's certain way there's certain conventions and methods that Hubbard wanted solo auditors on how they held the cans and how they set up the session to do it with themselves and not another right. person. And um, and I think in this one, so in this film, um, Jack Armstrong, right, is our main character in this film. Yeah, and then we had Kelly. Dan was it Kelly Daniel? Well, we yeah, Kelly Daniels. Well, yeah, it was shot twice. Once with Katie, Katie Mitchell. Mitchell right? Yeah, Katie Mitchell. And I don't remember who the guy was. Do you remember? God, I thought it was. I, Bob I thought it was like Bobby Lyons, or it was. No, it was Bobby. a young guy. It had to be a young guy. I can't remember. I remember uh, shooting it oh, twice. Weird. And I think that might've been the thing that confused me is because I think when we um, did the location shoots, those were, stock, those were stock shots in the first version. Right. And so in the second version, we actually needed to shoot a plane we needed, and, and we'll get yeah. to that. But yeah, um, just let me, just let me real quick interject yeah. the, the positioning with Hubbard position, solo auditing with, becoming getting your solo pilot's license yes. that was a marketing gimmick and so when you did the solo course you got these cute little wings like this the in flight uh, it was like a little tent pin. yeah, yeah a little like pin a little lapel and, yeah a little thing you could wear you got your wings like a boy scout pin or something <laughs> yes. and, it, and that, those were like your solo wings so the film that we did um I, I, we didn't want stock shots in it so we went and arranged to shoot. It's supposed to be, uh, it opens with a guy taken off on an, on, on, a, on an airport, a little plane. We used a, what the hell was that plane? It's a type of, it's a type of, uh, aerobatic plane. I'll think of it. It's a very famous. Yeah. Aerobatic plane. Tom Cruise coincidentally has one of these planes and flies it, but he, I didn't see him showing up to help us. So uh, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, we were, and we needed help. On the aerial oh part of the goodness, yes, it was a there, disaster. Yeah, we did. Um, we did. Well, we'll just we'll just say what we did. So the 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 film needs to show it's a biplane. This this uh, aerobatic plane was it was a biplane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a little aerobatic as a stumpy little plane that's just insanely that nimble. Yeah, that can stall out yeah. and fall and then get re you know re you know recontrol yeah, it's, and it's it's really nice. Well, there's only like five or six of these planes anywhere near where we were in California. Yeah. And the closest one that we could find at the time 
was gonna be in Sedona, Arizona. Well, okay, now hold, like no, 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 hold on, hold on, Mark, hold yeah. on, Mark. Sometimes we don't remember. No, we went to Sedona. I wanted to go to Sedona. The, yeah, I, I, I specifically said I, ha, I had worked in Sedona. I did some commercials with Porsche. Yeah, and I, and I done these on the, the Sedona Airport in Sedona, Arizona, one of the most beautiful places in America. They have a mesa, you know, one of these things like you know, like close encounters and that's the airport yeah. runway is on that Mesa. And so yes. you can park a car on there and fly around it. And so I went, I want to go to Sedona. So Mark's right. It, it, we did have to find the aerobatic plane that was near there, but fortunately there's a lot of uh, flying out of Sedona airport. So, you know, there's a lot of rich guys that have aerobatic planes. We were able to find a, a stunt pilot to do it, but, uh, Arizona could be a rather tricky place to shoot at certain times of year, right, Mark? <laughs> well, so this is so I didn't, I don't remember the part about you saying we needed to shoot there. I just knew it's in Sedona. The plane's yeah. going there. We're going there. Right. It's about, I want to say it's about six to eight hours from Gilman yeah. Hot Springs. 700 miles. Oh, okay. Good. Good for you. Yeah, I still remember. <laughs> anyway, whichever it is, um, Sedona, um, is is it's the weather is very hit or miss and you can't it doesn't it there it's not like one of these places where the people that tell uh predict the weather for sedona give too much care about if it's going to be more rain or more clouds or yeah. more sun it's just partly cloudy or partly sunny and that's yeah. usually what it yeah. is whenever we would do a location shoot um my job was the shoot crew chief, but there was another department. There was a few departments underneath the shoot crew chief that we didn't have people in. One of those was a grip department. And right. so if something needed to be transported or if something needed to be moved from, from one place to another, technically that kind of came in under the grip department. But since we didn't have anybody in the grip department, I was that job <laughs> from above. So getting a plane to the shoot was kind of a grip thing, but the plane was really a prop. So the props guy was in charge of the plane <laughs> and the logistics guy was working with the props department to get this plane to this place. And somehow or another, they could only get it there. I want to say it was for an afternoon, like it was going to be there and we had it for an afternoon. And yeah, I'm sure between flying time and fuel and the yeah, airport. And how much, yeah, it was, yeah. And it was, and there were a lot of moving parts. Um, yeah. We were shooting in a place that we didn't know any of the people. So it was, you know, somebody called the airport and said, hey, we want to do a shoot there this afternoon. And they're yeah. like, sure, I guess. And like, give us a thousand bucks and you can do whatever you want. And um, it's not and, a real busy airport also. Yeah. And so we we didn't have a lot of money. Almost all the money that was spent on this was spent on the plane and the location. And, and me. And well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. But, I'm just, but you were already paid, I think, yeah, for the no, film. So it wasn't, we were tasteless either, joke. Sorry. Either way, <laughs> when we get a budget like this and we're going to travel to Sedona, Arizona, um, there's no hotels. There's no, you know, there's gas money and maybe a little bit of food money. That's it. Um, anyway, so when we get to Sedona, we travel to Sedona. We have to get up, you know, we have to leave at like, let's just say midnight to get there by the morning so that when we get there, we can shoot, uh, we can set up and we can shoot with the plane or whatever. And I think we were going to do, um, there's some, some ground shots where the plane is taking off and the plane is landing. 
And then the plane needs to do some aerobatics and we need to get some of yeah, those it shots. Looks, it looks like it, it needed, like it was spinning out of control. There were one shot where we were looking way up at it and it's like, ah, you know, it's going to crash. So. Yeah. And it rained. Well, hold on a second. Not only did it rain, <laughs> yeah. there's a thing in Arizona called monsoon season. <laughs> yes. And we picked monsoon season to shoot this thing. So if you want to know why nobody was at the airport, because yeah. monsoon season in Arizona is a serious business. And so when it's raining, guys with planes that are aerobatic planes that they don't want to get messed up, they don't like to fly like that. No. They're like, yeah, no, I'm not flying in the rain. And I'm not also not going to do a bunch of tricks in the rain. Um, right. And so I can't remember exactly how it went down, but I just remember we shot a bunch of footage that was pretty much useless because it was raining or right. it looked like it was going to rain. And the way the shot is described by Elrond Hubbard is that there's just a plane in the sky. It doesn't say there's a plane in the sky with rain clouds all around. <laughs> yeah, I, I, one would assume it needs to be a glorious, spectacular, yeah. sun-drenched shot. Yes, you would assume that. But yeah. here we are, and there's a plane. We got the plane. Um, we got the location. But we ain't got the weather. And there's nothing you can do about the weather. But in the sea organization and working for Golden Era Productions and working for David Miscavige, you can't blame that you didn't get the shot oh, no. on the weather. That's There's no not... such thing as an act of God in Scientology. <laughs> and they actually have a policy called the why is God. So like if you say, oh, why didn't you get, um, why didn't you uh, build the driveway? Why didn't you pour the concrete for the driveway? Well, it was raining. We can't pour concrete in the rain. The why is God. You can't say that you didn't do it because of something that's not under your control. That's, that's, it's unacceptable. Anyway, so we did as much as we could. I think we ended up staying the night, which was a huge flap that yeah, we like stayed a, in. A Motel in 6 is kind of cheapest place we could find. And we didn't have enough money to get a hotel. So I think what we ended up doing was there were two females, two or I think there was two females on the shoot. There was um, Lisa Schroer, and she was the director's assistant. She was Mitch's assistant. Yeah, it's not an assistant director. Very different thing. Yes, director's assistant. She was yeah. like, get his, would go get chips. Yeah, and get, get me tacos. That's the director. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a girl named Sadie. Sadie Johansson. Yeah. And Sadie was the assistant cameraman. Right. And um, so because there were two females and there was probably, I want to say there was probably four or five males. Um, and we all went there in a 15 passenger van with a seat or two taken out of the back. And that's where all the film equipment, we would put all the film equipment. Right. And we may have, no, I don't think we had the camera truck. I think we just had a 15 passenger van just because we didn't have enough money for gas for two vehicles. Yeah. We right. only had a, a, yeah by money. the way, I just, I just want to interject. I looked it up on my phone and so the, from the golden era golf course, which is next door to gold to the Sedona airport, it's 600 six miles, 636. You were right, Mark, 636, yeah. uh, min, six hours, 36 minutes, 394 miles. So there you go. You it's were dead on there, but just a reason I bring that up not just to underscore the fact that Mark is always right about these kind of things because he is because um, his memory is like amazing. But so whatever you're hearing about this day, keep in mind this day included all of that time driving and the crew was expected to drive back the same day. So that's uh, that's yeah. a long, 
that's a long day. Yeah, that's exactly how it, that's how it was always scheduled yeah. because you can't say, well, we need to go there the day before. Well, why do you have to go there the day before? Well, because we need to sleep. Well, where are you well, going to sleep? We need to set up. Yeah, or they would say, where are you going to sleep? You say, we're going to sleep in a hotel. Well, there's no money for a hotel. Okay, we'll sleep in the van. Okay, well, the crew can sleep on the van on the way there. And then I'd be like, yeah, but then I have to drive. Okay, well, then you'll be the one. You'll be the only one who doesn't get to sleep. And it'll be like, okay, well, you know, we have to drive back too. And it'd be like, well, then you'll be the only one who doesn't sleep on the way back when you drive back. <laughs> so it's like, that yeah. was usually the deal that I got. Because <laughs> yeah. I was the only one who could sleep no, I was the only one who could drive without having slept. Um, but even that, I had my limits. Um, but so we drove there. It rained all day long. We shot a bunch of shots because we're going to shoot some shots no matter what. We're going to shoot some right. shots. Whether they're usable or not, if we don't even shoot the shots, then it's like you guys didn't even try. Right. Even if we shoot the shots, they're going to be like, these shots suck. It's raining. And you're like, right. well, yeah, but if I wouldn't have shot the shots, you said, you'd said you say, I suck because I didn't even shoot the shots. <laughs> so right. I think in the end, I want to say that we might have used a shot to take off or a landing shot. What I remember was the one that we used was, you know, um, of course, it figures the one of it spiraling out of control. Yeah, that one because that was away from the airport, and that was supposed to be like a dangerous shot. Like you're a solo auditor and you're in trouble. Cut to plane spiraling out of the sky. So it was okay that it was kind of dark and foreboding. I'm going to let my puppy out while you fill it. No up. problem. Yeah, you know, I actually remember when Mitch comes back, he'll confirm. But I think we ended up doing another shot in a nearby town, not in Sedona, the next day before we ended up coming back. We shot in the end, we shot in Sedona, we shot in a second location. Um, and then I'm just going to let him put his cans back on so he can hear me. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we shot in three different locations. Um, and what, and Mitch, yeah, Mitch, I was just saying, I think we shot in three different locations. We shot in Sedona, right? And then we tried to salvage it the next day by shooting somewhere, a nearby airport somewhere else that yeah, the guy could fly the plane to. Yeah. And we managed to do, he wouldn't go back to Sedona. He was like, no, we're done. Yeah. I'm not going back there. And so we managed to have him that's right to fly out of a different airport and then that's when we got the spiraling shot that's right we got that another was a nightmare one. that was a nightmare i i just i i'm like triggered just thinking about that i know and then we did get we had to end up getting one more set of shots and we got those i want to say just like you and the cameraman only went because oh yeah. but, oh so but that's the other thing okay so when we shot at the first place in sedona that was a almost a complete wipeout it, it, right in, in actual fact I don't know that any footage from Sedona actually made it into the film, but we no, shot nothing, nothing. Yeah. So we shot a second day. So we stayed at a hotel because there were two girls with us. We chipped in whatever money we had. Like we literally went through like the bottoms of our backpacks and the seats <laughs> and the van and scraped together like $67 so that the two girls could sleep in a bed in a hotel room and the guys slept in the van right outside the, the right. it was and I'm saying in Sedona we were at 
like the Motel 6 of Sedona. It didn't even have Motel or 6 in the name, but it was that level of whatever they had yeah, at Sedona that really we could trashy. get for $67 yeah. a night. Yeah, I don't um, even think it was – I think we'd driven back to Phoenix. I actually think it was in – Well, I know we stayed in Sedona no matter okay, what. Okay, okay. And then we drove – I think that night, the props guy had to figure out how we could get that plane to somewhere else. And by the morning, it was like, okay, the guy said he'll go to this airport with the plane and we can meet him at this time. And and then it was like, okay, we're heading that way. And then it was the logistics guy's job to get that airport locked up for us to be able to shoot right. at by the right. time the plane got there and we got there. Right. And then – we were able to meet up with the the plane guy and we were able to meet up with the right airport people. And it was a, and, and like the first three people that we went to at the airport were sort of like, we have no idea what you're talking about. Get the hell off of her. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like, finally we were able to like, and, and I, and I think we may have shot at that airport uh gorilla style. So we weren't actually authorized right. to shoot there, but we ended up going like outside the gate on the runway and got set up a camera in a place where you couldn't really see the fence. And it was like, Oh my goodness. Okay. We, so we, we were desperate. This was now what you call a voyage, a ship named hell, a, a ship named hate on a voyage to hell. Yeah. That's in what the, this now is in the sea org. This is known as making it go right. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> we yeah. had to make it go right with whatever yeah. money or resources we had. Okay. So we shoot, we shoot that. Okay, when we come back, it is pretty much – oh, and I don't know how – well, th this was a unique position that we were in. People could fly under the radar at the base and do dumb things, and it could go on for months. Dave Miscavige is never going to find out, or it's very unlikely that he's going to go to your area and inspect you what you're doing and talk to you and all that. Unfortunately, when we're shooting a film, we're sending him um, foot footage every single day. So if a day goes by and he doesn't get any footage, he knows something's rotten in China, and yeah. we done we done messed up. Yeah, no, this is a a, a constant data stream from yeah. the shoot crew to Miscavige. It's just it's a continuous thing. It's like he gets you, to see. You can't what, just skip a day and say, "Oh, we were whatever." <laughs> yeah, if he doesn't get, if he goes, okay, let's go down to go watch the film, the the dailies, yeah. and then someone has to tell him, "Oh, sir, there's no dailies today. There was bad weather in Sedona, Arizona." That is, that's a little bomb that's going to go off in your pocket uh, so, uh, within the next yeah. hour. Or two, yeah, you're going to find out um, that David Miscavige knows you didn't do anything today. So. Um, so we yeah, could, and I think the first thing that would have been said, uh, sorry to interrupt you, it would have been, why did they go to Sedona? There's an airport right here in Hammett. <laughs> so, it literally would go that yeah. way. It would be like, why the, uh, you know, it's just there's a there's a parade of questions that will come back to us. Yeah. So we didn't end up coming back the first night, so we came back the second night, and now we had two days worth of footage. And when Dave Miscavige saw that footage, it was like, what's going on? Yeah. And was, we had to basically good. explain that there was a giant cluster. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and we monsoon season. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing. Anyway, I ended up getting in massive trouble over this. And I well, want to say everybody did. I think we all well, were like, yeah, but because I was the one who checked the weather. 
Like know? it was like, well, who checked the weather? It was like, well, that's uh, the shoe crew chief's job. And then you go like, well, yeah, but you set up the location in Sedona, Arizona, logistics guy, and the the plane guy had to know the weather. And it was like, and so in the end, it was like I checked the weather, and it said partly sunny. And if you sounds went to, good. And if you went to another forecast or another website, it said partly cloudy. So it was like, well, which one did you look at? And which one? And it was like, it didn't matter. It's all, it says, look, like the last 20 days, it said partly sunny. In the last 20 days, this one said partly cloudy. And they both could have said either or. It was like, who cares? Like, <laughs> anyway, so. Exactly. That was the major investigation was, what does partly cloudy mean to you? And what does partly sunny mean to you? And I'm like, it means it's going to be part sun and part clouds or part clouds and part sun. Either way, it went on and on and on and on. And we all got in big trouble. And so when it needed to be, some of the shots needed to be reshot. And I think it was that spinny spin. Well, no, I, that, that's the one we got. The one we needed was the 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 stable takeoff. Glor, oh, the takeoffs right. and landings at an airport. That's right. So, I and mean, so the shot of the guy spiraling you could shoot that anywhere that the guy could fly overhead yeah but we needed an airport and there was no way we were going back to sedona yeah there's no way we're going back and now mitch mitch usually is like nope we're going to sedona and then yeah. you're like um mitch you know we could shoot it nearby nope we're going to sedona so then after we all get in trouble and all that and it's like mitch we're going to inyo kern about an hour and a half from well here. i it's no a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful airport i wish i would have known about it i would have shot it there well no i wouldn't have but there, there is this airport uh, that's a lot closer than Sedona. It's in California. It's uh, north of Los Angeles at a place called Inyo Kern. It used to be a Navy base, and now it's a private visual, you know, like a little private little airport. The thing that's unique about this airport is the runways are huge because in during World War II, they used to land, uh, air, you know, big, big air, uh, cargo airplanes on there. And the people that are in the airport, they constantly pave the blacktop. They redo the, the runways to keep them pristine and black because they get so many shoot days for car commercials at this place. And it's in the foothills of the Sierras. So it has this beautiful mountainous background. And yeah, and so I'm like, okay, we're going in your current, but it was just me in the camera department. Because I was told, dude, you're paying for this freaking thing. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we. I want to say that we ended up getting billed for all the film that we shot in Sedona. Like we paid all like. And, yeah. And, and the way it works in the shoot crew is a can of Kodak 5248 or whatever we were using vision stock. Back or, then it was probably a thousand bucks. Uh, yeah. It depends on if it was a small can or if it was a big can. Yeah. No, but it's about anywhere a buck from, a foot. But yeah, yeah go ahead. Sorry. From, Anyway, from five hundred to a thousand dollars a can, yeah. depending on it's how much expensive. film it was. That that was you're getting billed for that. And yeah. and if it was you and two other people, then you just it was a three way split. It was just it wasn't even like, well, you're twenty percent responsible and you're no, you <laughs> no. three, thirty three percent each, boof, yeah, you're done. Absolutely. You owe three hundred and thirty bucks, you owe three hundred and thirty bucks, you owe three hundred and thirty bucks, three hundred and thirty three, whatever. Anyway, and so um, we were all not going on this. We knew like, well, they're like, well, we got to go do a reshoot. And whenever, even the shoot crew were like, well, okay, so we're going to need this. We're going to, no, they're like, no, you're not needed. You don't need anything. Mitch is going to drive. 
and the camera crew are going. Yeah, I'm going to put and the camera it. in the trunk of my BMW. <laughs> yeah, we're going to drive to Inyo. I'm going to drive with the cameraman and the assistant cameraman. God damn it, we're going to get the shot, or we're pretty much out of Scientology. We're like, yes. right. Uh, anyway, so we went up there and we did. I mean, I was carrying camera cases. I hadn't done this since college. It was great. Carrying camera <laughs> cases, helping set up cameras, blah blah blah. We got the shot. It turned out so good that <laughs> yes. they they didn't we didn't have to pay for anything for that day. Yeah. So th that actually was a big sigh of relief. It was like, Oh my God. And the but best I, part of these things is when we do this, it's not good because it sets precedences. So yeah. You say, yo, why do you need so many people? <laughs> yeah. Why did you need five people before or six people or seven people or whatever it was yeah. when you did it fine with three people and no money. So it's like one of those yeah. things where it sets you up for the next time you need to do a location shoot. Right, right. You better, you better make sure you got your your uh, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed because they're going to yeah. come at you with a magnifying glass. But hey, wait, wait a minute. There's it says there's four people. The last time you guys did a lo location shoot with Mitch, yeah, you did it with three, <laughs> including yeah. Mitch, and you're just like. That was because uh, we were in trouble. We just yeah, were, yeah, right. we were, we were, right. we were taking, we were taking our hits. Okay, <laughs> we screwed up the first one. You know, I just remembered, <sighs> Mark, that airport in your current airport. Yeah, it's next door to a place called China Lake Naval Reserve, right? And China Lake Naval Reserve is next to Area Fifty One. That is the number one place in America for. <laughs> spooky alien yeah. urban myths and ufo sightings i mean this is the place where they tested all the stealth bomber and the stealth jet. oh yeah so a lot of a lot of that stuff was reported by the locals as ufos yeah. so we were told you know we had a permit to shoot there and we were told because a lot of the shooting there is not aircraft it's cars on the runway so we were told by the the airport authority there the private airport authority make sure your pilot does not fly over China Lake because they'll sh they have, they'll shoot, shoot him down, down right <laughs> like they said look there was a 16 year old kid a couple of weeks ago he flew accidentally flew a glider because they had a glider club at that airport he accidentally flew a glider over the airspace of China Lake Naval Base he lost his right to have a flight to have a, a pilot's license for the rest of his life. Wow. They, they said you will never fly anyway. So that was an interesting place that made us a little nervous because, you know, considering everything that happened before, that's all we needed was, yeah, pilot got shot down. Yeah, <laughs> totally. So, uh, before yeah. I forget, guys, we are going to yeah. show you an amazing document um, at the end of this stream. So make sure you stick around to the very end. Yeah, you need and to see this and you need to see it on my channel, right, Mark? No. That's right. And that's what I was going to just say. You got to oh, check out Mitch's you. channel yeah. at Scientology, The Big Lie. Um, we're trying to get Mitch's channel kind of going. This SPTV uh, channel incubator system works as long as the uh, the the subscribers from some of the bigger channels go and subscribe and watch videos on some of the smaller channels and that's sort of the system that we have where we try to team up different channels with other channels to kind of incubate that channel into getting monetized and all that good stuff so yeah and um, i i promise i my boy scout of honor a promise more really high quality content especially once my book is done cuz that's been like i've been kind of hit and miss 
because you know, I got it's a, so I'm funny to that you brought that. that up, Mitch. Because yeah. you can go to uh, Indiegogo projects, the Scientology, the Big Lie, and um, if you want to help Mitch out uh, getting his book together, um, <laughs> then uh, and also I don't know what the different levels are on there, Mitch. Can you is is it like you get a book no matter like if you? Oh uh, no, I don't have any set deals. I mean, obviously, some people who who have donated really large amounts of money they'll get something but yeah. i haven't really settled it yet but i have to tell you i it was a very low i had a very low campaign goal which was only two thousand dollars as money i needed to finish it we're at 108 percent, so i've already passed it but awesome. the thing is i want to keep going with it because i need to upgrade some equipment and and i'm going to have other costs for the book like for printing so i like rather than starting a new campaign like let's see how far we can push this campaign perfect and this, I mean, this community, as you know, Mark, they're incredible. I mean, they, this is like, an, it's an amazing reckoning that's happening in, in the world of people who want to screw people over. <laughs> well, the, the thing they I went and yeah, sorry. Well, the thing I want to say, you, you brought up a great point. The thing I want to say is that if we can get some of these other channels in the sort of loosely connected SPTV network, um, you're going to be able to get differing content as well as higher quality content and right. you know mitch knows people that i don't know and i know people that mitch doesn't know and we're kind of connecting up all these different people to be able to bring you guys content so yeah when and you, when you support yeah the, the new and upcoming channels and subscribe and like and all that good stuff hit the bell notification icon it makes a difference for the youtube algorithm yeah. And it pushes these uh, pe these channels uh, up into people's recommended pages. Yeah, and and also like Mark and I had experiences which I never remember until I started talking to Mark, and I I think the same for him. Totally, we, we started talking. We're like, oh my god. Well, it's funny you say that because I remember shooting this plane thing, but I didn't know which film it even went with. Like I had right. forgotten right. It, the the traumatic experience of of driving for three days with no sleep and getting in trouble when we got and knowing, Oh, that's the worst thing. Cause you have this drive of shame. You know, when you get back, you're toast, oh. you know, you're going to get in huge trouble for spending all this money, yeah. you know, whatever it was, $2,000, um, spending all this money on film and the location and the plane and all this stuff, and then getting no shots and the, you're driving back to, to okay, am I going to go to the RPF? Am I going to oh, yeah. be on post? Am I going to, yeah. am I, oh shoot, I'm going to get in assigned lower conditions. I'm not going to be able to go home for another four or six months. Yeah. And all the, you're just driving back like, yeah. okay, what fun awaits me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, so I didn't yeah. remember that the plane was connected to this film. And then when Mitch, uh, we have a we have a like a note that we kind of create for each one of these things. And when Mitch added all the plane stuff, I was like, "Oh my god, dude! I totally forgot that was for this film that we're about to talk." Yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> and I had only just remembered it. It wasn't like I was just sitting on it. It was just, <laughs> it, it was very traumatic. So the film itself. Let me just we'll get back to the film. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is just oh, this is just the opening sequence. Yeah, the, the end, end sequence. Yeah. And one little shot in the movie. This whole yeah. this whole yeah. debacle probably is a takes about I want to say forty five seconds worth of footage of this entire film, maybe a minute. Yeah, and every everything else, yeah, everything else was shot in a studio. Uh, some of it we went to L.A. and re rented a studio. I just remember that because we had didn't have the castle yet. Yeah, and we did the scene. Okay, I have to back up a minute. This yeah. script that Hubbard wrote, 
was incredibly boring. All it was was a guy sitting at a folding card table. They'd actually tried to shoot it once. So I'm telling you, this is how what it was. Sitting at a card table, and then there was a narrator, but you couldn't ever see his head. He was standing next to him like you just see him from the shoulders down, and he was pointing at the meter and telling this guy what to do. And that was pretty much the whole movie. And I'm like, there is no way I'm shooting that movie. I didn't come here to shoot like an instructional film that's like so boring. So I I loved this film. It was called A Guy Named Joe, 1943, Spencer Tracy, World War II romance about a pilot, Spencer Tracy, who dies. And then he has to become his best friend's co-pilot. He's like an invisible angel that now sits in the back seat. In, in, uh, in battle and helps him fly. And it's really tough for him to do this because I think it's Van Johnson who plays his friend has now taken up with his ex-girlfriend. So it's a really, it, it's a great film. If you like old black and white films, romantic films, it was directed by, I'm sorry, but uh, Victor Fleming. Yeah. Victor Fleming directed like gone with the wind and the wizard of Oz. So it's like, a, this is a major deal. I really love that film. So I thought, well, what if I make the narrator guy into like a an angel who's invisible, who stands next to him and the audience can see her, but the guy can't see her. So I completely rewrote all the visuals in the film. Everybody thinks it was written by Elrond Harvard. He wrote all the dialogue and the narration, but I wrote everything else in the film. And the film opens with this person who's going to play this angel going to see God in heaven. None of this is in the script. <laughs> and we went into a studio in Hollywood and we made like a dry ice heaven. Remember that? Mm-hmm. We made like a dry ice heaven with fog and, and you never saw God, but this angel who happens to be a Scientologist, because apparently uh, angels are also auditors. <laughs> so yes. you can all expect welcome to heaven. You're welcome to heaven security check. Those yeah. Christians when they finally get to heaven, because but also this auditor Katie Mitchell also played an yeah. angel in another movie, right? As played an angel who was an auditor, yeah, <laughs> yeah so, a sex checker, yeah, sex checker. So you're, you know, if you people believe in heaven, you're you're, you're in for a little surprise when you get up there. <laughs> yeah, when you walk through the pearly gates, there's going to be some broad there trying to ask you a lot of questions. Yeah, it's going to be an ethics <laughs> officer. Yeah, up there going, welcome to heaven. Uh, here's where you, here you, anyway, but my point is, so we're at this, and, and, the, and the, the angel who's going to teach this guy to be a solo auditor, she's going to get this assignment from God. And God's going to say, I want you to go down to earth, and I want you to help this guy, Charlie, right? His name was Charlie something. Yeah. And, and uh, go help this guy, Charlie. And the voice of God, I thought, well, this is an important decision you know, what the voice of God sounds like. So I had, I knew this, uh, this black woman, this actress who was a Scientologist who had a really incredible voice. So I'm like, okay, cool. God is a black woman, which kind of fits with my whole political socio thing. So I snuck that in there, people. Uh, but while we were at that studio that night shooting, we met for the first time an actor from the Beverly Hills Playhouse, who came to that studio because he wanted to meet us, a guy named Jason Begay. Yes. That's where we met Jason for the That's very right. first time. And he was very gung-ho. Very, we have stories we're going to get into about work that we did oh, with Jason. Oh, my goodness. But, we did so many films with Jason. And Jason yeah. 
was I all, I'm pretty much have a great story for every single time we shot with Jason because <laughs> yeah. it was always a party when Jason showed up. And he yeah. also made my life excruciatingly difficult because he didn't <laughs> – because he was a – he was – he was a professional actor who'd done – he did uh, movies – G.I. Jane? G.I. Jane with Ridley Scott. He did uh, Monkey Shines with George R. Romero. He did real movies and real TV shows, and he didn't put up with any of our Scientology C organization. <laughs> we're like just a ragtag shirt crew. No, he was like, that's on you, not on me. I'm yeah, <laughs> we're going to play by the rules here, folks, Yeah, that's, that's how we do it. Yeah, anyway, so he was no was nonsense. Great, uh, but I still remember when he came by that night, and it was just – Totally. Yeah, because somebody we, said we were there and he wanted to meet us because he wanted to be in our films. Yeah, we rented this yeah, this studio. It was, it was right off of, I want to say, Santa Monica and Highland in that area. Uh, near, no, near that was Kodak. the one we did for orientation. This one was in the valley, north of North Hollywood. Like, Oh, yes, you're right. Sun that valley, was another one of, we, used yeah. to, we used to rent. But we used to, when we were at that one in Hollywood, we did a ton of films yeah. when we sort of grew out of the, the gym. Like yeah. we had so many sets to do. In order to do them quickly, we just couldn't do them at at, yeah. at the headquarters at the ba at the one studio we had. So we had to yeah. get this. It was a set of studios in Los Angeles, and in the studio next to us, they shot America's uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, with, um, we were always comedian. running into stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. we we so we we would always be shooting around some other thing that was popular in the in the. In, regular world but in the sea org we had no idea what they were it was like america's funniest home yeah. videos like yeah. that's a yeah. thing and uh and we'd sometimes we'd share their um depending on which studio we were renting we'd share their makeup and costumes areas so there'd right. be kind of their stuff would be left over from when they just finished their season or yeah whatever. and we'd kind of be like oh what's this you know oh this is where they shoot america's funniest home videos and we're like okay um anyway so yeah we did meet jason on that shoot that's right yeah just a little side color um and then also there was was um so we had jack jack armstrong was the was charlie well, now, now you're talking about the second one the first well, one i don't remember yeah we don't, so. I don't remember who that guy was in the first yeah it's one really weird that we can't remember uh was it maybe michael adams no he uh, was a non-scientologist remember we used to work with a lot yeah. Uh, there yeah. there were a few guys like that. Remember um Al Clegg? Oh my god. Right? Yeah, he was the uh the guy who used to play for Kansas City. Was that I don't know who no, am no. I thinking of? Uh, Clegg was the guy in um EM five, the 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 PC, the the prince's son or the the king's son that goes yeah, to black Al guy. Yeah, wasn't that wasn't his name Al yeah, Clegg? Yeah, Al Clegg. He used to play he was uh he had like two seasons in the NFL. I think he played for Kansas City, and he had a horrific injury. He could ruined his career, and then so he, he went an into actor. acting. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, he was nice. But we, so we, so, but I yeah, guess, we used him a lot. There were people that we liked, so we would, yeah, work uh, so, with him a lot. So what I remember is that there was Jack Armstrong, Kelly Daniels played right. the auditor, right? I mean, the angel, whatever right. you want to call it that was invisible, but he could, it was weird. Cause she was basically talking like, okay, now you're going to want to set up your meter. And then he would just set, start doing the thing that she yeah. was saying. Like, yeah. We he were could hear her. Yeah. 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 And nobody the audience, else could. He couldn't hear her. It was clairvoyant because, yeah. because you're learning 
to communicate with what will become known to you, revealed to you later as BTs, I had the I had the you know brilliant artistic idea to introduce the 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 aspect of clairvoyance into the film. So she would say, "Okay, now pick up the pen," and he'd go. And he'd pick it up (laughs) as though it was his own thought. Yeah. She'd say, you know, now turn your meter on. And then 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 she'd say, start reading the commands. And so he'd start reading these off of a printed sheet, the commands that he's giving himself. This is probably, this is another catchphrase, Mark. I just remember the catchphrase. Yeah. No, no. Silently to yourself. Yes, that's exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't remember what it was from this film. For every film, yeah, yeah. there is a, some of them have one or two, and some of them have ten. But yeah. there's these sayings that they said that you would use it in real life. Oh, all over the world, I'd meet Scientologists <laughs> all over the world, and they'd be saying these things to me from tech films, like I'd never heard it before. Yeah, and this, and like if somebody was really chattering away and you're in, around you, and you just wanted to just tell them to shut up. You'd say, no, no, silently to yourself. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that is true. A lot of these were, they were comical within Scientology. Yeah. We could get away with it because it was, we hovered. Well, that one was a little bit, that was a little bit south because we were taking a a line. But still, we would, yeah, we would, we would definitely use those. Yeah. yeah, there's one ahead. film where um, it's EM5 where there's a bunch of papers blow all over the floor. Right. And the messenger comes in and says, get these papers picked up. And so whenever <laughs> oh, somebody, yeah. so whenever we, somebody would go into somebody's office and it was messy, we'd be like, get these papers picked up. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I wonder if these are so inside jokes that people are looking at this right now and going, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, like, oh, that's yeah. really funny. Get these well, papers picked up. Yeah, Good gee, one, I guess you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. No, but some Good of them one, were guys. really were really helpful lines. There's one in a film that Jason was in that we're going to do later, yeah. and we'll bring this back up again. But the Jason character is trying to pull the wool over the auditor's eyes. And yes. he's saying, you're a great guy. And when I laid eyes on you, I saw there's a really honorable. He's just trying to butter the guy up because he wants to lie to him. Yeah. And the auditor looks at him and says, thank you for your good opinion. I'll try and live up to it. Yes. And I can't tell you how many times somebody threw some horrific insult at me. And I replied, thank you for your good opinion. I'll try and live up to it. Yeah. So th- that was a really helpful line. I still use it to this day. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good ones. I the one the um the one that I use with Claire all the time is in a film called EM8. Um, they're doing a tour around an organization, and they get to this uh this character. I think he's the public public executive secretary. He's sort of over the divisions that are supposed to get right. uh, people into Scientology, and it's uh, played by the actor Michael D. Roberts. And they're talking about some person who's not doing good on the job and he can't uh, he can't get new people in. And then Michael Roberts says, can't have that. If so, replace. And and so whenever somebody says, oh, I've got Claire, I'll be oh this. This person's doing this and they're not exactly getting it right. I'll be like, can't have that. If so, replace. <laughs> yeah, and if you really if you live that life, it just really brings you back. Yes. Um, hey, I can't bring up the, the the comments, but if you could bring this one up. Yeah. Uh, from Russ T. It's at three forty. 
Yeah, 340. He's see. one of the three people that are watching us because we've bored everybody to death. No, with our... there's, a, there's like f almost 500 people. In no, here I'm right just now. joking, Mark. Bring this one up um, from Rusty. Yeah, I'm, I'm, got, I'm getting there. I'm at, I'm so far down 340. the It's starred. It's a starred comment. Oh, well, that's easier then. Yeah, um, sorry about that. Russ T, there you go. He's at the bottom there. Hey, so Russ T, yeah, you're right. The original version was with Charlie Rush. But that, that was, predates no, even that, our yeah, two versions. That was the one earlier when I said that they never released it. They never <laughs> even finished that version with Charlie Rush. That's the one when I looked at it, I went, no way. No yeah. way. I'm going to base this on a Victor Fleming film from 1943. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's so funny. I don't know who this Russ T guy is. But he, he knows some shit. He knows some stuff. Oh, no. He co he commented on at least the last one, maybe both of the last ones. And he was tweaking some of the things that we said, like, oh, that happened. But it was this or it was that. And oh, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, this dude was there. The, no, there's he, names yeah, no, and for things. Sure. Even nobody would have known even the name Charlie Rush. That's right. And also that it was Charlie Rush. It that, absolutely the, the was the name Charlie Rush. and that and, so, but this one wasn't the one that no. we were talking about. We yeah. don't remember that one. Yeah, the so one Rusty, with Katie Mitchell. Who was the second person that was this film? We need to with. dig up Katie Mitchell and get her on. I'm telling oh, you. I'm friends with her on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but you know, what does that mean? Well, that really. means if I messenger, she might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. No, no, it means you know how to contact her. Yeah, will you please tell her I, I said will. hello? I will. We I'll send her, her a link to this video saying, hey, we, we're talking about one of the films here where yeah. you might as well be there. For, you might as well hang out and talk. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll get you some uh, we'll get you some uh, new brand new attention. I don't know what she's doing. Now. This person's an incredible actress. So what we know about Russ T yeah. is that this film was he was at gold before 1990, because I don't think anybody outside of gold saw that. Charlie Rush thing. Very possibly, yeah. yeah and so, also, the things that he knows about as well. Oh, I'll tell you one of the things that kind of uh, locked him up for me that he knew what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I always knew that when Scientology bought the golf course, right? they bought it, at what I was told is that they bought it, and the people that bought it was not Scientology. It was called the Scottish Highlands Quietude Society. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. That's just, what I was told. That's true. I was told the same thing. Okay, that you know what the initials of that are. Um, S H Q. So it was a it was oh, a funny joke that they made because summer headquarters because Gilman Hot Springs was going to be the summer headquarters and the place in La Quinta, which I don't remember if it was you or somebody else who brought this up. They're forty five minutes to yeah yeah no it was me. Other. I actually when I was writing my book, I'm like okay, <laughs> I have to uh, I have to be accurate on the distance between the two. Yeah. It's actually sixty miles, and then I went. Now that's interesting. <laughs> Let me look up the mean average temperature difference, 10 degrees. So that means when it's 120 in La Quinta, it's 110 at Gilman Hot Springs. The summer, the yeah. summer headquarters. Yeah, there's your summer headquarters. Not some alpine mountain retreat. You know, they could have gone up to Big Bear. Just they could have. They could have. That studio. Another the, hour. Yeah, the facility that they had up there could have easily well, been Well, they didn't have it arrow. yet, but... But that yeah, doesn't matter. They'll, they want something done. They'll do it. You know that. They got all the slave labor they need. Oh, my goodness. Anyway. So, yeah, he said that. SHQ was a, a joke. The Scottish Highlands Quietude Oh, Society. this guy was probably, we're, we're calling you out, Rusty. You know, because it, remember, it was, I was told, it was the Guardian's office that made that purchase. 
because yeah. they were looking for a hideout for Hubbard, right? Yeah, and, and it so, was at the time it was sort of like um it's called Gilman Hot Springs because they're they're used to actually be yeah. hot springs. And this is a crazy story. I don't know if anybody's ever told this story, but there were hot springs in Gilman Hot Springs. Right. A lot of people don't know this, but on the other side of the mountain from Gilman Hot Springs, there is a super, super top secret government facility that's inside the mountain. Yeah, to the east. Like you could go at Google Maps <laughs> yes. and what, and you could look at what Mark's saying. It's to the east of gold and you will see a blurry spot on Google Maps, well, which has obviously been wiped out. It's obviously but, whatever photos there. Yeah, but also there's a whole road system over there that yeah, leads nowhere. into the mountains. It they looks lead, like uh, they just yeah, but, dead end into the mountain yeah, all yeah, over the crazy. place. People don't know this, but actually, every map you see on Google Maps is cleared by the U.S. military. The, uh, oh, Google I is not. It. Yeah, there, well, I know for a fact because I met a guy who has a private company. I'm talking about the satellite, satellite photos. Yeah, not the regular maps, but. I met the guy who has a private company that does the launches for Google to provide them with the photography. And all of that is turned over to the U.S. Air Force and then cleared by Google. So it's all vetted. So, yeah, nobody yeah. knows. Not even so, the crazy, curious Scientologists know. But as a result of the government building this complex inside the mountain, they hit the springs and they dried up. That when they were digging, is in that the back why I heard that the government did? I heard they were just trying to divert a river, and the Army Corps of Engineers like that's missed. the that's the story. Oh, that's, that's because the why plausible. would they be digging in? Then why would they be digging in the mountain behind where? The what do you think are? it is? Do you know what it is? Um, I have no idea actually, but I do know that there had been people at the base that went up to the top of the mountain above the base right. and, and many never time, came back. <laughs> no, no, no. When they went up there, there were guys with machine guns at the top of the mountain. Oh, nice. Really nice. So, but the, but the best part is that sometimes SPs would try to infiltrate the base <laughs> and they'd come up over the other side of the mountain and right. then these guys with machine guns would be there. And then they would say, oh my God, Scientology's got guys with machine guns on top of the mountain right. that are right. guarding. And they, and then there, so there's all these stories about people with machine guns guarding the base. And when I got out, I saw the stories. I was like, yeah, those weren't us. Those were the guys on the other side of yeah, the mountain. Those the government. The, they were trying to, they would, they would do the same to us if we went up there. So, right. so they dried right. up the springs and then this old man, old man Gilman, who, who ran the springs for all these years, he took boilers, steam boilers, and he built them into all the underground springs. Oh my and God. so he kept the springs running for like another 30, 40 years, 30, 40 years with all these boilers. Yeah. And with then, table salt and boilers. Yeah. <laughs> and then at some point, some, you know, ex-employees and all telling telling old Gilman secrets um, that the springs were no longer active. And so that's when it was sort of at the end of the, its days as a resort that um, Scientology scooped it up. And I want to say the late seventies. Yeah. Well, according to a video I did on YouTube, so it has to be true. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have, what's her name? The, the woman, Kathy Frazier, who sent me the, the letter telling me I needed to go sit in the corner and feel really bad about speaking out on YouTube. Yeah. The bad man, you're a bad man, you're a bad man. That yeah. letter. In that video. 
in a, in the gold video, the one that I was in that I did the response video to, yeah. and I also did a short on it. She says when it was. When was it? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look again. I forgot, oh, but oh, okay. It was like you say. It was. Uh, it, was it was in the seventy late. Yeah, 70s, it was prior to nineteen eighty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, awesome. Oh, here's another comment from Gary Jackson Moorhead. Hey, my brothers. Jackson, you can say, <laughs> hey, my brothers, without having to send a super chat because I'm yeah. pretty sure you have both of our phone numbers. You are certainly in your groove, <laughs> yeah. Mark. You just said cans. I did. When you left, um, I said, um, when Mitch gets his cans back on, I will oh, uh, yeah. I'll tell yeah, you yeah, guys yeah. the rest of this. And yeah. I, I might have slipped and said cans. So sorry about that, guys. Um, headphones is how most people refer to them. Yeah, well, the, I uh, wear cans because it's they're actually cheaper than a good toupee. That's a good idea. I didn't yeah. ever think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is and I'm gonna I have get... seen you wear those headphones for, you know, almost the entire time. Yeah. I knew yeah, these Mitch. exact these are the headphones, exact MCR seventy five oh sixes, Sony's. Um but whenever Mitch would be directing, he'd be sitting at the video cart and he would usually have his headphones on or he'd have yeah, them around his often neck. Often like this. Uh, often yeah. I would just do this. because. But he always had a pair of those exact headphones. Yeah. Yeah. These and, are standard um, gold. Uh, yeah. They're good it. for the money. They're the best headphones you can get. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, here's so, <laughs> another super sticker from Elizabeth Sarah. Thank you for that, Elizabeth. Appreciate it. You can ask a question if you want. Um, Carolyn also sent us a uh, super sticker. Thank nice. you. Nice. They don't have questions. Just, I know. Let's see fine. if um, we can actually, um, if you want, uh, we can look. Is there anything else we need to talk about for the film? I can't think of anything. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, the film was this particular production. Once we got through the whole air flight thing, blah blah blah, it was relatively uneventful compared to, let's say, the next film we're going to talk about, where we almost killed people. But <laughs> <laughs> well, the one person, yeah. But then, the which film are you talking about? I'm talking about uh, the uh, the uh, Tier 14, which I think we oh, should do yeah. next. Oh, you yeah, because okay. we were that was the one we were shooting in hell with real fire. Yes, and and oh, the puppeteer, my. the puppeteer who was working the devil's tail, and so he was up in the greens, up in the with the, the scaffolding on a studio, probably sixty feet off the ground on a, on a two foot wide board. And it was so about 120 degrees up there, and he fell asleep, and he almost rolled off. <laughs> yes. It would have been, or I'm laughing, but it would have been. Anyway, yeah, so, um, yeah, we had a lot of stories from that one. But. We do. Um, okay, if, if, if you do have a question, um, oh, there's, uh, I see Cece, uh, our, our friend Cece. Claire did a video with her. She's sort of like my... Um, my boy's uh, adopted grandmother, um, oh. Cece's Comfort Cooking. She has a YouTube channel on SPTV. Hi, oh, nice. everybody from Hannibal, Missouri, Cece's Comfort Cooking. Um, anybody who uh, hasn't subscribed to Cece's channel uh, should get over there, too. Thank you, Cece. Hi there. Um, okay, if you – let's just see. I'm, I don't see uh, – usually if you have a question, people put in question before it. Um, and so I don't see a lot of those. So, I mean, we are really, really deep in the uh, Scientology weeds with these videos, but you know, a lot of people that aren't in the film industry or aren't in the TV or Hollywood or whatever, and weren't in Scientology, this is all new stuff to them. So there you go. Whatever. Um, yeah. Also, I mean, I really can't stress enough going back to the talking about solo auditing itself how what an incredible massive scam this is i mean it, it it's getting people to audit themselves getting people to pay like 
a lot of money to just go into a room or at home for hours and hours and hours and do this uh, and, and then present that to people like it was some solution to them not having to go to England. That's really all it was. It, it's pretty amazing, the, the, the whole aspect of it. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think – they, you would audit if you, when you get to, well, the place where you do this solo auditing is after you learn about, um, Xenu and the body Thetans, my favorite rock band. Yeah. When you, when you learn about Xenu and you learn about the body Thetans, after you do all that, you then are supposed to audit yourself and get rid of all these body Thetans. Right. You got to talk to them clairvoyantly. Yeah, but this goes on for years, guys. Yeah. Like you could spend, I mean, there's people in Scientology right now who've been doing this for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And you do it yourself and you're supposed to do it several times a day. Right. Um, and you have a briefcase and you got to lock it up and you got to lock up your folder that you keep all your notes in. But every six months for however long you do it, if it's 20 years, Every six months, you have to do what's called a six-month check. And right. so you say, I'm auditing, I'm auditing. Well, every six months, you got to basically turn in all your documentation that you have been doing this auditing. Yeah, you have to you go get, to Clearwater to do it, right? You have to go to Flor Clearwater, Florida. Which that's this place they call the Flag Land Base or FLB or Clearwater, whatever. You go there, and then they interview you on the meter not you're not you don't do you're not doing anything solo when you well, get interview, there that's a nice way of putting it mark that's <laughs> you, like, you basically get a you get the good old scrub down to see if yeah, you, if there's yeah. any if there's a speck of dirt on you yeah then you need to pay for them to clean up that dirt oh big time and if you haven't been um auditing as much as you're supposed to or maybe you told your your significant other about the body thetans or that like the, you they're asking you all this stuff you got because they got to keep the wraps on this whole xenu story um which right. to me which now to me seems very i mean they're they have they have a very very intricate security system to keep the xenu stuff uh private and confidential but you can just go on the internet and go to a south park episode and you'll find out pretty much the you know 90 percent of the story for, for with nothing so i'm not sure what they're keeping secret anymore but um but regardless um that is this solo auditor um, film and the solo auditor course is what you have to do in order yeah. to start auditing and and um, addressing these tens of thousands of space aliens that are stuck to you i never got rid of all of mine i i actually started to become real friendly with them after a while I, like Oh, I'm I was hanging out with Zenu the other night because Zenu is my homeboy. Right, uh, right. You can go to the Blood for Good store and get Zenu as my homeboy mugs, yeah. stickers, uh, hats, and um, yeah, go now and hoodies. Don't wait. Um, but um, when I was hanging out with <laughs> Zenu the other day, he said he's got plans to make a whole bunch of more body things because hit that planet of his um, or solar system or whatever was overpopulated. Um, it's not like they getting rid of all those souls solved yeah, it. It just yeah. It just kind of kept it at bay. For yeah, you know, he never counted on immigration. Immigration is what killed them. Well, <laughs> from the, other star systems, they, they had all these people. <laughs> I was just saying, once the Intergalactic Federation um, yeah. uh, changed uh, ownership or whatever, changed right, management, right, right. things have just gone to shit in the universe. Yeah, okay, <laughs> totally. Hey, can you, there's a question. Oh, let me see if I can find it. Oh, from Andy yeah. Fab Fabulous. There's yeah, did no you start? super. 
Here, let me start right now. There you go. If you just star uh, which ones you want to yeah, bring yeah, up, yeah, yeah, then yeah. I can just pull those up. My star, I can't star. What brand of uh, is it? The what brand of liqueur does Zenu drink? Yeah, Andy okay. Fabulous. Uh, what brand of beer slash liquor does Zenu drink? I don't. That's an interesting question. Probably, I would think German beer. Um, I would think you know, something. I'll, I'll find out. I mean, you could research that. Yeah, or we could just make one up and then tell everybody that that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy, to, back. It does Sorry. have to have some sort of semblance to the the answer. So it can't just be like, oh, he likes Tito's. We got to make yeah, up no, a good yeah, backstory. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Glycol. Exactly. Probably glycol and something else because that's what he yeah. used when he froze those guys. <laughs> he had a yeah, lot exactly. of glycol yeah. on hand. So whatever we put, it's got to have some glycol. In yeah, it. okay. So check this out. Back at four, four, I'm going to work on that immediately. Yeah. We'll have we'll have the beer. We'll have that answer on the next uh, when we do the next film. Uh, we'll probably even have an illustration of it. Yeah. Was there okay, another so An Andy I have to yeah, Andy Fabulous at four oh four. He okay. just asked a question. It's it's no no variety. Okay, uh, good. I'm I'll go to it. Uh um, yeah, because I can't star. Next time you need to give me that extra. I yeah, I don't know how that works. Uh, I, yeah, I'll I, have to ask Aaron. He knows. He's he's got all the inside dope. Uh I think you see this share. Yeah, I'm go I'm I I'm at four oh four. I'm just looking you see Andy Fabulous, he had a question. Mitch, did you need to study this is a really interesting question. It has a very simple answer. I think it's on your channel, so I can't see. Oh, really? Okay, so but I can't click on it. It doesn't go. But anyway, the question is, I can't yeah. show it. The question is, Mitch, did you need to stay up on human psychology in order to make a film that could capture a person into brainwashing themselves? The answer to that is no, because L. Ron, I had L. Ron Hubbard as my co-pilot. <laughs> yes. He did all that heavy lifting for me. I just had to make it look good. So, yeah. no, I did not have to know anything about human psychology, although I did know a lot about human psychology. And the Church of Scientology would be shocked at how much Eastern philosophy and and uh, research psychology I drew upon for writing their television ads because I couldn't find anything that Harvard wrote that was worth using to, to inspire yeah. for an ad. So, anyway, that's that's the answer. He did all that stuff. I just put a nice what we did, me and Mark, we just put the shit on tapes or we made it into films or we, but yeah. we didn't have to know jack all about psychology. You know, psychology wasn't even a thing, right? Yeah. I don't even, I mean, I, I haven't even read Dianetics. So you yeah. didn't have to be um, versed in Scientology. Well, no, I, I had, I had to read it four times under no. Gestapo supervision. <laughs> So that's, but I'm just saying, in order for me to do my job, right. I just needed to be a good worker. I didn't need to know anything. Yeah, no, you were lucky, really Mark. You were lucky. You got to make keep most of your identity. It's one of the things I admire about you. You got to keep most of your your identity intact and your resilience, and just develop good work ethic. I mean, I, you, you're like in that in that way. It. I think you're. It's true. Uh, in that way, I think you're fortunate. And that there's a few people like that. I think Sterling is like that as well. Sterling yeah. Tompkins, yeah, he's like there were a number of people, and they're like who joined the Sea Org, and uh, they were more Sea Org workers than they were Scientologists, and yeah, and so Scientology didn't really have a, a real chance to dump its stink on them. Yeah, you know, you know, I think you're really right. I was trying to think of another person like that. I think you're right. Sterling is another one of those. He grew up in there. There's a few. There's a few. But he was really just working. He never really. I I want to. I don't. I heard him, him talking about it today. He didn't do Jack all with Scientology. Oh, he didn't. Okay. No, I didn't did know. Like, I don't want to say, oh, he didn't do Jack all. And he's like, no, he, dude, I he, spent seven he was years talking studying. To Aaron today and he's, he's like, 
Uh, I did this uh, student hat was just like as far as he got. Oh yeah, so he's yeah. a he's a green weenie too, and it comes to no, the, he, all the brainwashing. He's just not. He's unadulterated with all that that crazy shit that just it yeah. Just, you just here. Let me take my identity and I'll rip it out. <laughs> yeah. and, okay, you can take that. And let me take this one, and I'll just oh yeah, I'll take this one. Okay. Yeah, I have body things. That's who I am. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what? You just lose yeah. your identity. So, okay, here's a, a good one. Um, John Satowski, thank you for that, John. Did Mitch do cameo walk through like Hitchcock? <gasps> you know, I don't think you were. I no, don't I was. You I ever did one. Being in one I did film. one. I did Which one? one? No, I did. No, it, it, you were in it. We were both in a film together. Um, uh, in the doll film with Danny Masterson. Oh yes. Okay. There, I ran down the stairs. I needed, there was a shot, just feet running down the stairs. Yes. It was supposed to be one particular character. And the guy, he was not a good, I needed a person to shuffle down the stairs and I had an exact visual image of it. Yeah. And the, we did like 50 takes. And I said, I t- grabbed the guy, dragged him to wardrobe. I took his costume off and then I just ran down. I shuffled down the stairs the way I wanted it to be. That was like my big cameo. I did in, in the way to happiness films, I did a full on, but yeah. that was years later. And that, that's whatever, it's not a tech film, so it's not special because only the yeah. tech films were only really the special. tech films are special. Yeah, Gary Jackson Moorhead says, I have the deets and info on the water and test sites back there. He's talking about the uh, secret government facility, no machine no guns, machine guns. What oh, man, no. That's a bummer. Well, yeah. So that's the thing. Maybe these people that went up there and said they were machine guns, maybe they were just, uh, maybe they brought them. I don't know. I don't know where the machine guns ever came from. But there were there were Lockheed security that were up there. I don't know about the guns part. Um, well, it might have been. Fabulous. They might have been intermittent machine yes. guns. Might have been. Maybe when they were Jackson up to stuff. didn't. They said, "Oh, Jackson's coming. Put the machine guns away." Remember the movie Heaven Can Wait? Mitch should do a movie called Scientology Can Wait for LRH. <laughs> yeah, I got better things to do. What yeah. would that be? That would be like, uh, I, don't I don't know. I think somebody <laughs> should do a Xenu thing. It would be amazing if if you knew the whole Xenu story. And this is sort of my argument for Scientologists. Okay, let's pretend the Xenu thing is 100% true and Hubbard nailed it. Right. If there is a space alien capable of interdimensional uh, travel that spent nine weeks at light speed to bring billions and billions of people from his solar system to our solar system, um, and that's a real thing. Yeah, in DC nines. In DC nines that had space jets instead of propellers. Right. Well, like they look is, like DC nines. This they is weren't. what Hubbard said in the in the thing that they they were they this. The space planes that Lord Xenu used for intergalactic travel, they look like DC-9s. Um, is that a, a McDonnell Douglas plane, a DC-9? Uh, I believe so. A Boeing. Yeah. No, I think it's Boeing. Boeing. Okay. So uh, Boeing. I, I went to art school. I don't know about that. <laughs> international Galactic uh, Dictator used the same manufacturer. Who would have known? Anyway, makes um, sense. if all that is true then why would Scientology put all their trust in a guy named Dave to protect them from all that? He doesn't have anything that Xenu's got. No. So I'm just saying, if it's all real, Xenu's my homeboy. I'm signing up with him. He's got some some cool tech. 
or not. Who knows? Um, okay, here's the Zenu cocktail. It's already done. Uh, John Satowski says, the Zenu cocktail is rum, vodka, tequila, gin, and whiskey on the rocks. You will feel like you were hit with a <laughs> hydrogen bomb. Well, I'm telling you, the, 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 the fan contribution here is over yeah. the top. Um, I'm not sure if you can get a Zenu cocktail. You're going to have to use a little of all. I like rum and I like vodka. Um, tequila, gin, and whiskey. I'm not the. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know I don't if know. you if you if you put some some kind of a what like a a mixer. Yeah, like a mixer, like a like a like a citrusy mixer. Yeah, like a ginger ale or maybe yeah, a, like a lemon that, juice or a yeah, lime juice. I think we this could, could work. Could do the well, Zenu Mule. Maybe you know, we can make a Zenu Mule. We could just do this one time, Mark. We could just get all the ingredients out and just <laughs> do a Zenu Mixology session where we try different. <laughs> Mark and Mitch make a mixer, make a drink, <laughs> make a Zenu cocktail. <laughs> anyway, let's work on this one. I I like the bones of it, John, but let's just yeah. we gotta we gotta workshop it. I, I'm not just gonna say this is it, but it could be. I don't know. We have to try it. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh, you think we should show this document? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So guys, let me just set this up. So we're talking about these films that we were shooting. Well, a lot of times um there would be these events. We've talked about gold putting on these Scientology events. Um uh DC8 is a McDonald Douglas by the way. Thank you um, very much for that. Thank you guys. Uh thank you for my all my aerospace knowledge is paying off. Um so we would shoot these events or shoot these films. And then sometimes David Miscavige would release them at an event. And most of the people that worked on the films or the videos would also work on the events. So there was a, a sort of a mixed crew, but to put right. on the event was also its own production in, in its right. own right. It could take months and months to put together one of these events in terms of the content of the event. There was a stage. So the sets and props guys that built the, the, the sets and the props for the films would also have to build the sets and props for the event. And yeah. And let me stage. ask you, Mark, how, how long were these events? What do you mean? It, the, in the length, like what? How, oh, could any, usually would be anywhere from two to three hours yeah, was so how was long. Not, the event. not a small little thing. No, it was a lot of content. It was a lot of production. And David Miscavige, he wanted the same production value that he was getting out of the films. He wanted the same or better for these events. And and that is why the same guys who shot the Super Bowl were the guys that shot these events. So or set up the, the broadcast truck and yeah, tuned all yeah. the cameras up and did the audio and the and the live like, okay, go camera two and set camera three and take right. camera three. You know, like the guy directing the videoing of this event. Um and so one of these events could have a hundred people that had to work on it to put it on. And right. if the event went badly, then those hundred people were now in the shit and they would be like for the, until the next event, they'd basically be in trouble until they were redeemed on the next event. Or if they did so badly, then they were off the event crew and they would get moved into the grounds department to, you know, mow lawns or trim trees or to clean right. the sidewalks or they just get put on something that had nothing to do with anything. So if you, we did one of these events and it went well, 
that was a rare occurrence. It was actually, it was actually like there were seven, depending on the year, there's anywhere from six to 10 of these events a year. And sometimes David Miscavige would just decide that we weren't going to do a certain event or we would do a certain event and it'd be even bigger than we normally do. So it could go either way. Um, but one of the events that we'd, we'd go to in England was called the IAS event, the International Association of Scientologists. Biggest money-making event of the year. They, they could make anywhere from 20 to 50 to $100 million at one of these events. Because they, what they would do is the events that took place in America throughout the year, they would hit these people up at every single one of those events. They'd hit up a bunch of people. But at the IAS event, only the richest, most dedicated members from all over the world are sort of invited to this event. And yeah, they, and, and yeah, and and they got showcased, right? Like, for example, you hear about these IES, uh, the membership, uh, whatever. I, I forget what they're called right patron, now. Patron, yeah, where status, it's yeah. So if you were if you earn one of these statuses, then it would be announced at this IES event. You, you get a, you'd get a called out for it. So this was a big deal in Scientology culture. I'm go ahead. And if you gave like, there's different statuses, but right. the ones that get you a picture with El, with uh, David Miscavige, they start in the hundreds or millions of dollars to get yeah, that status. Yeah. I, yeah. And this was so, the event where Tom Cruise famously got the dinner plate sized award. The Flava Flav. Yeah, the yeah, Flava Flav yeah, uh, Scientology yeah. Award. Yeah, this is a big this this particular event, like Mark said earlier, we there'd be a certain number of events, maybe they do some, maybe they wouldn't, but there were these tent pole events they'd always do. Uh New Year's, Elvin Hubbard's birthday, the, the anniversary of the free wind ship, and the IES. These were always be done and then there may be a dianetic celebration an auditor day there may be other ones but always yeah. these is that's a big deal i mean they they hire the the, the royal caterer i mean they do like crazy stuff yeah well the so an event we would put on for ies that's about a million dollars scientology would spend and so Scientology, the Church of Scientology International would spend money to make things for that event. And the IAS, the International Associations of Scientologists International, would would bear the brunt of the major portion of that budget. And they had a, um, a dictate that the maximum of money that could be spent was would be the interest on their on their earnings of their investments. They could not spend Whoa. more on a budget than what they're making on the interest of their That's amazing. I did not know that. Yeah. So the, so we would always, and they would calculate out how much they needed for the year based on whatever they were making. Somebody somewhere had an exact figure. So when we would do one of these events, they'd already when before we'd start, they'd say, you have, $987,000.42 to spend on this event. If you go over, you're spending the money. So if you go over Scientology, Church of Scientology International will have to pay for anything that goes over. And so the IAS and and Dave would and Dave would brag all the time. I'm only spending a million dollars on this event and I'm making e anywhere from 50 to 100 times that on the event. 
So they'd bring in all these big wigs and all these whales from all over Europe and um, from the United States, people would come there. If you gave a certain amount, you'd get announced. And if you gave us one of these big heavy hitter amounts, then you would often get us, you'd get to go up on stage with David Miscavige and he would stand with you and you'd get a, uh, you basically get a photo op with David Miscavige. Right. Right. And in the Scientology world, if you go, if we go, if I go into your house and you have a picture of you on stage with David Miscavige up on the wall, you're sci- you might as well be Scientology royalty. So, yeah. And your trophy, you get your insane bowling trophy. Yes. And, you, and, you, and the trophies would cost, we would produce these pr- trophies in Los Angeles. It's actually, we're produced at a place, I think it's called Hollywood tro- Trophy off of Western. But some of these trophies would be, you know, 400 bucks, 500 bucks for a $40,000 donation or a hundred thousand donation. When these guys are donating millions and millions of dollars, they got diamonds on $30,000 on a trophy for them. Like literally $30,000 on a trophy. And we've already (laughs) seen one of those from one particular unfortunate individual end up on eBay. And Oh, they're all over the place. Mike's got one in his office. (laughs) yeah, but I yeah, because the Richie Acunto one. Oh, did he? Did he get? That's the one I'm talking about. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's at yeah, the, Mike's house. <laughs> that one was for yeah, yeah. I think I read that the person who bought it sent it over to Mike because he should have it. I think I think Richie Acunto had given. I can't. I think it was ten million dollars. Yeah, I want to say it was tens of millions. He uh, eventually he, he, ended he up going bankrupt. But he, he did go bankrupt. bankrupt. Before he passed away, yeah, and he had uh, he had his uh, all of his swag was in a one of these uh, storage storage you know, <laughs> and then he never paid he couldn't afford to pay the bill, so it got sold on like you know Container Wars, like one of those kind of operations where the people bid on them. Uh, Mark Fisher said, "Does Mark realize the Zenu cocktail is still on screen? Hell yeah! It's just, it was just living down there by itself, and it wasn't bothering us. So I left yeah, it hell there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. <laughs> we should say hey, hi, Mark. To Mark. Yes, hello, Mark Fisher in the house. Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, sorry, excuse me. So, the IAS event was this major, major money maker. Well." The document that we have to show you tonight is from that event. And miraculously, and th- and I don't know if there is one other document in all of Scientology that was published to the entire international headquarters that has Mitch's name on it and my name on it. That's a Well, sword. except They're, maybe some knowledge reports. Well, <laughs> no, no, but I'm saying that went to everybody, that everybody yeah. got well, to yeah, see. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But also, yeah, th- this was from a time when, well, you're going to explain what it is, but this type of document is very special. It didn't happen very much. Yes. And today, doesn't it, for the last 15 years, hasn't happened at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So let me put it up. Okay. Let me make sure we can get our little. I got another. Oh, I got another one that kind of will do both of us big here. There we go. Okay. So I don't know if you can read it. Um, it's not the biggest thing in the world. I'm putting it up there, and uh, I'm going to pull up another copy of it here. Sorry, I didn't have this all uh, set up beforehand. Okay, perfect. Okay, so I've got another copy of it here, and it says executive directive. Anything that is uh, issued to the property 
um, is called some sort of executive director. Yeah, and this would be from the office of, of EDN, no, wouldn't it? No, no, this is an executive directive. Just <gasps> oh, that, it, it can come from any executive. Oh, that's this just one is, from gold. Yeah, okay. Yes, so this it. one is a gold executive directive. Right. So you would, it would, you would assume it was written. We'll get to the bottom. I don't remember who wrote it. It was probably Jason Bennick or something. Yeah, it was. Like it was. because Yeah, you're um, right. It was. So it says executive directive gold ED 3,337. There were 3,336 of these before this one. No, I and think they started they're not always good to make it look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. They didn't do that there. Um, okay. It says all, it says gold ED 3337, 20 October, 1994, all base crew commendation, IAS 10th anniversary event. The IAS 10th anniversary event was held this year at LRH's home, St. Hill Manor in the UK. The event was a tremendous success. Public in attendance strongly stated that they could and should be doing much more to contribute towards all aspects of Scientology expansion. Yeah, that that's one- the mark. Yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that's the marker of success. Yes. That's how they measure success. Did the people who attend feel they were not doing enough? Exactly. That is the, that, you know, if you watch that Tom Cruise crazy video of him getting the award, right. in the end, you will see that his message is 100% aligned with David Miscavige's message, yeah. which is if you um, are watching this, you're not doing enough. You're right. in, if you're in Scientology and you're watching us right now, you're not doing enough. Look at all these other people and what they're doing and how you're not doing anything. That's, that's your takeaway from the event. Right. Um, okay, gold was quite instrumental in producing this result from the event properties produced. Quite instrumental? The- they made the yeah. whole entire thing. <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, to be fair... Um, international management are responsible for the events and golden air productions is just a tiny little piece of that. And also because the IAS paid for it. Um, this is, there's a little bit of political, uh, interpolitical sea org speak in here to not make it look like gold did all the work, even though gold did all the work. Um, Gold was quite instrumental in producing this result from the event properties produced. That just means the content that was shown at the event all the way through to the event itself being a success because gold lit and produced and filmed and did set the props up and everything else. As a result, the following commendations are issued. Now, in the Sea Org, if you do something really, really good and you're commended, that's great. But if you're highly commended, you might even be able to take a day off next week. Yeah, and I just want to add that these things are supposed to counterbalance knowledge reports that are in your yes. ethics folder. Yeah, this like is, they're supposed to wipe each other. They don't. They yeah, this could do. be worth, you know, you might have done 20 bad things. This could blow those all out and just clean the slate for you again. That yeah. doesn't always happen. but Maybe sometimes. for a week or two. <laughs> yeah. Highly commended. The below are highly commended for their professional work on this year's IES 10th anniversary event. Now, if this is the fact, if Jason really did write this, it totally makes sense. He's the first person he commended. <laughs> it oh says Jason God. Bennett. He's the first name on the list. I yeah, he just, should have just put me. I'm, 
I'm going to skip to the end. Yep, Warrant Officer Jason Benick. He did write this. Yeah. The first person he commended was himself. Okay, Jason Benick. I'm going to read all these names, um, and you'll see why when we're done. Jason Benick, Gary Weesey, Nick Kinsella, Rick Cruz, and Ray McKay, Cindy Rayner, Stephen Lewis, Larry Jacobs, Chris Ray, Frank Fenn, Steve Marley, Je- Jeff Baker, Gary Lou, Camilla Jarko, Phyllis Drake. Commended. The below are commended for their professional work on this event. Steve Young, Peter Lewis, Brooke Shackleton, Sherry Moorhead, Maureen Bolstadt, Adam Purcell, Cliff Thomas, Mark Headley, Gary Hunter, Bertie Magnuson, Sarney Wiley, Josh Hemphill, Ulf Olfson, Bruce Plotz, Cleve Carlson, Paul Sarkany, Wilson Iquez, or Iquez, Izzy Ramirez, John Gonzalez, Charlie Rush, and Mike Eves. Okay, that's mostly those two top columns are mostly the event executives and then the event crew. So those top people are in both sections of the film production and the event production. And that's probably why they're at the top because they, they, they double, they did double duty. These people that are listed below most likely worked on one or the other, maybe not both. Okay. In addition to who may have participated above, the below staff are also commended, specifically for their participation in the production of the IS event videos and making them the best event videos we have produced to date. Mitch Brisker, Claudio <laughs> Olander, Barbara Mace, Chris Mayfield, Mike Lemeron, Jim Pettigrew, Evelyn Borglund, Ogla Enan, Ron Somerville, Adam Lewis, Andrew Bradley, Julia Ellis, Todd Yamaguchi, Sheila Freeberry, Philip Doswell, Francesco Frau, Larry Madsen, Dave West, Sean Morrison, Lisa Schroer, Hilly Desitel, Marcus Swanson, Sean Alcock, Nancy Julianne, Kim Fries, Tim Larson, Tom Armstrong, Peter Blecka, John Thomas, Walter Wilkins, Tony Pinder, Johan Olson, Johan Olson, Becky Williams, Sadie Mayfield, Randy Kreitz, Marker Gazzetti, Paul Eves, Phil Sherlock, Jennifer Demers, Megan Ray, Gwen Kolf, Axel Johansson, Jessica Weinicke, Eric Geisler, Henning Bendorf, Bob Stearns, Bill Foster, Tori Shell, Vicki Pearson, Dan Anderson, Ju- Lilia Estrada, Don Edwards, Shannon Gawiler, Jack Sheehan, Fed Tizzy, Randall Gillian. And then there's a page two. Stevie Duncan, Ron Miscavige, Neil Coonan, Gareth Freeberry, Carl Leach, Linda Greelick, Chris Olander, Denise Friend, Mike Ogletree, Burt Drake, Lisa Frau, Jim Pearson, Fabala Frank, Peter Schles, Mickey Estrada, Steve Cook, Tom McMurray, McHenry Ellis, Russ Greelick. That's all of the list of names. Warrant Officer Jason Benick, General Manager Gold, authorized by LRH Com Gold for Church of Scientology International, and then it has the sig- signatories. And I know all the names of the people. So, Nathaniel- so, so. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Official? No. Yes. So Nathaniel official. Epstein, JB for Jason Benick, JB for Jason Benick, LC Gold, um, CSI. Okay, that's a lot of people. Now, this I don't. I don't actually, um, sometimes they say at the end, they'll put a little thing here. The above people are awarded a day off or like if there was something that came with it, you'd get like the prize at the end. And I don't think, um, I'm just going to show the second page because I didn't show that up on the slide there. That's the second page. You guys can see that there. This is an official document. Um, the um, there wasn't a prize, and I think on this one, what might have happened, and and I'm pretty sure this is what happened when we were in the UK, 
Dave said, you, it was a great event. We probably made, he made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he probably said, you guys should take a day off. And we might've gone into London or we might've done something. I remember on this specific event that I was about to get on a Concord because we missed our broadcast window and we had to come, we had a broadcast, um, the, the video there to broadcast to all of the organizations all over the world um, the next day. And um, we missed our window and the tape had to get to New York by some time. And we, I was going to get on a Concord and fly the tape to the broadcast center. And then we ended up just getting a, a new window that would get there before the plane. So I did. Oh, you missed a ch- shot. Of, you didn't make the Concord. I didn't, but, but because oh, everybody man. got the day off the next day and we were running around doing all this video nonsense, we were in London, but we were just working to try to figure out how to get the broadcast. We stayed up all night after the event doing the edit and checking it and making sure it was all good. And then we spent the whole day driving around getting lost in London and going to satellite places and messing it up and not getting our window and the tape was wrong and this was wrong. And so um, I don't think... We actually ended up getting the day well, off. Yeah, fun but stressful <laughs> running around England like the London like. Yeah, that. it was not fun at all. Oh. Um, anyway, so that is that. Okay, now this is a fun little thing because yeah. I thought to myself, I wonder how many of these people are still there. This was in 1994, arguably a while ago, but the people. Well, considering that they've signed a billion-year contract. Yeah, you would think they, a lot of them are still there. there. Okay, I'm going to show a you. Years ain't gone by yet. <laughs> I'm going to show you the document and the people that are not there, we've crossed them out. Okay, here we go. This is who's there. <laughs> this is who's still there. If they, if their name is not crossed out, I do not know definitively that they are not still there. The people that are crossed out, I am 99.9% sure that they're either declared a suppressive person, they escaped and then they were declared a suppressive person or they got just kicked out of the Sea Org for being bad Sea Org members. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, no, I, my own verification says 100% you are correct. There's maybe two people on here who left the Sea Org but are still in Scientology. Oh yeah, no, there's, I mean, the best person that we'll talk about is on the very beginning of the document, the guy who commended himself, the first person, Jason. Jason Benick, he's still a Scientologist. But he really? was, he was obliterated from the Ent base, and he right. was kicked out of the Sea Org by David Miscavige. Yeah, but he gets person. pulled in. He gets pulled in as an apologist. He does because he yeah. was at the Ent base. He's like, he's oh like, no, everything was wonderful there. I yeah, never... no, Dave is a great guy. He never hit me or punched me or locked me yeah. up or nothing. <laughs> he's a total best guy I ever worked for. That's why I'm no longer working there. Yeah, and Jason Benick was one of the people that he he beat up and oh yelled my God. at the most. He was just a punching bag. <laughs> Jason punching bag Ben. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was a cross between a pit bull, a lapdog, and a border collie when it, when it came yep. to obedience. Yep, that's exactly what he was. And here, yeah. so I'll just show the second page. That's the first page, and then you can look on the second page. Um, everyone's crossed out, including the person who wrote it and the person who approved it. <laughs> They're yeah, long exactly. Gone, long gone. Yeah, and when you and and most of these, I mean, like. It hasn't been a lot of people coming up there in a long time. No, I mean the youngest youngest person up there is in their forties. So yeah, I, I, would, to, I yeah, would say I, that they were getting when in the early in the nineties there could be getting, twenty or thirty new people a year. Oh yeah, they were getting lots of people. And then in I want to say in the late nineties and definitely into the two thousands, no there might no be moss. one or two people that no, would they hired some pros. Yeah. But I know the last guy that came up, he's he's a. Uh, from a foreign country, I think a, a, a Scandinavian country. He's a 
on one, you know, because that's a very specialized skill to yeah. be able to translate. And I think he's in his forties. I used to joke that gold's going to be it's an old age home for Sea workers, which is really like they have the facilities to house people, but you know, it could, it could end up being just like the old age home. So, <laughs> I mean, they're basically doing busy work at this point. They're not doing yeah, no, anything that anyone uh, needs. No, that's not true. But I, I, do I don't mean? want to. I don't want to sound like an apologist. No, they're still making films. They're making the tech films over. Okay. Again. Oh, always, Mark. They'll always be doing it. <laughs> they always because Dave likes to keep them busy, and they're <laughs> oh doing gosh. programming. We actually, I, I should probably. I have a couple of the films I did when I got sent back to gold. I was doing films. L. Ron Hubbard said all of his books, you know, his basic books yeah. and all of his everything he wrote, all of his letters and his essays, everyone should be converted into a film. So I've made some of these films from some of his lectures for the TV network. So they're still doing all that stuff. But it's just Cine. It's, it's just Cine. They're making some films. They just yeah. have their little unit over there. Right. And the editing, well, they're not editing. manufacturing anything. Nothing. Well, no, it's not totally true. Let's do a little briefing on what gold does. Oh, here's, wow. here's what they do. Okay. Yeah. They have compiled a mountain of analog material over the years, analog videotapes, documents, audio tapes, photos, and they scan those. Okay. That's what all <laughs> of your executives are doing. That's what Guillermo Lazarab and and Greg Wilhair, that's uh, Kurt, Kurt Whelan, all those guys. They're, they're scanning hitting, stuff. They're digitizing and scanning. It's mind-numbing work. Oh, wow. And yeah, also and that, that, and also, you could just farm all that out. Yeah, you could. You could. I mean, it's, some of the digitizing, because think about all the different audio formats. Yeah. I mean, video formats, Mark. Well, both. Audio, too. They have to take all that analog. They have yeah. miles and, I'd say, millions of miles no, just of tons. analog tape. Yeah. Tons. And that, they just digitize them all day long. That's all they do. They do that. And the titanium boxes that they oh, yeah. put in the, in, the, in the vault. Yeah, they were making those in the castle. No, 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 no. They don't what? make anything. They do film. That's a whole other thing. Like, nobody okay. can figure out. Everything that they do, they do the gift packing. Okay. In other words, they, they put it in the box. <laughs> they get it ready. Yeah, they get it ready, and then it gets sent up for finishing at CST. Uh, CST, they do the final argon gas. CST blah, blah, blah. is Church of Spiritual yeah, Technology. Yeah, They're or, responsible. Or also known as uh, Hotel California, where Shelley Miscavige <laughs> lives. Okay. They're the ones that are responsible for taking all of L. Ron Hubbard's written and spoken and filled yeah. words and putting it onto titanium, into titanium capsules on stainless steel plates and gold records and all these other things. Yeah, it's so crazy. That, so that it's they crazy. can withstand a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, or a weather event. The video, the documentary <laughs> that they... No, no, because remember, when Hubbard made the order to do yeah. this, the fear was nuclear war. Today, yeah. the fear is a weather event. So, <laughs> no, I'm serious. So think about it, right? We're going to have rising tides and the skies go... If you look at the documentary on Scientology Media Productions, that's a uh, weather event now. Well, hold on, which I highly recommend you oh. look because I, we I, should I, do a reaction video so we don't send people over to Scientology. No, site. no, no. Why not? Send them over there. It doesn't help them at all. They <laughs> okay. don't capture IP addresses. Mark, I know this. I work okay. there. Okay. They don't. It doesn't help them at all. There's no metric. It doesn't help them. They Use don't a VPN think. if you go over there, folks. I'm not saying yeah, anything. Okay, but yeah, Use yeah. a VPN if you go okay. over there. Bag it, bag it before you go to their site. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you want to wrap it before you tap it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Anyway, but the reason I that's say not that, a tech film saying, by the way, wrap it. No. Uh, wrap no, it before no, you tap it. That is no, not a definitely tech film. not. Not a tech film saying. No, but if you watch the film, yeah, it opens up with a bunch of a montage of weather events. Yes. Like the uh, apocalyptic weather events, because they they always are going to push with the big end of the world. That's beer true. Is. That's true. But I just have to say, I know this is off topic, but we're sort of ran out of that topic anyway. Yeah. And, uh, this is something we can get into some other time if you want. Yeah. Because I did, I did a bunch of work on that whole CST thing. but Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, I was on with uh, Karen Delacarrier when I made the announcement about Norman Starkey passing away. Yes. Um, uh, Karen, De, Karen Delacarrier, you know, and I, I brought Jeffrey Augustine on because he was the one who confirmed it for me. I mean, the source that I got that from 100% didn't need confirmation, but I thought people are going to want to see a document. Sure. Jeffrey dug something up. Karen came on and she said, so are the... Blew my mind. She said, are the, uh, what about the confidential materials? Are they on the box? Nobody's ever asked this question. That's okay. true. Yeah. Okay. But it's not just that. Like, and then I got confirmation yeah. from Dylan Gill. He he called me up and he said, Hey, wait a minute. I think she's right. We scanned them. We, we, we transcribed them, but I don't remember them ever going into a box. Well, so I'll tell you this. We had at the Ant base, we had a special, um, we had a special department in manufacturing, which was the upper advanced materials manufacturing. Right, right, it was right, only right. like three or four people right. that could work in there because they had yeah. to do all that stuff. And yeah, those, I worked in there. But those people came from CST. Okay, but I, I worked on the confidential films. Yeah. Because I, I was like OT5, whatever, doesn't matter, and uh, OT yeah. bullshit. And then I, I was able to work on those. But here's the real question, okay? Yeah. Let's just say they all are in the vault. They transcribe the whole Xenu story and all of Hubbard's handwritten, like this, whatever it is, it tells the whole thing, right? Let's say they're in there. Okay. So in order for you to do your OT levels, okay, you have to pass a gatekeeper. OSHA is going to gather up every folder on you. They're going to read every report. They're going to put you down with a sec checker. They're going to fucking, whoa. They're going to just squeeze any possible thing you've ever done before you, you have to be certified that it's okay for you to go on these. And if you access them early, you're going to die. Of pneumonia. Yeah. So how can you just put these in a box for some poor suckers? If you say that that's true, that whole that's story. That's a great point. And th how can you put them in a box for some numb just, nuts to stumble on? Well, also, <laughs> I, I don't know how you're, I literally, this, this my question, that's a good question. Nobody's ever brought box? this up. My questions always be like, Okay, let's pretend the weather event happens or the nuclear or something right, or whatever. Right. Combination okay. thereof. And the I've been to one of these facilities. I've been yeah, to the one in damn. New Mexico. I never got to go. I've been to the well, I went afterwards. I drove with there with John Sweeney or oh, reporter from the BBC. Oh, okay. But you the didn't one, go inside. We couldn't they didn't let us uh, in. You know, the know one why. in New Mexico, I've heard that that's where the gold bullion and the jewels are. That's what I've heard. That's why yeah, I, that, yeah. it's only a, an hour, a few hour drive for me. Anyway, so we went there. Oh, right. And um, but it took us hours and hours to find it when we knew where it was. Really? I don't know how someone's going to happen upon this place after a, an, a weather event that we could barely get to it in the middle of the desert on currently right, managed with GPS roads with GPS <laughs> and a big vehicle. I don't know how someone's just going to be like walking yeah. along and be like, oh, and then it's going to be in this vault. They're just going to go like, dooty, dooty, dooty. Yeah. and they're going to open the vault. I don't know. It, there's, Dude, they're going to be looking for food. That's right. That's exactly. And what I what I thought when I 
if there is some sort of event and it's right. like everybody for themselves, if you want to get some gold, keep your keep write a note of where these places are at and yeah. have a way to get to in, them after the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, because they're these vaults essentially whether they are or aren't on paper, they're filled with precious metals, okay? Yeah, titanium. They're filled with titanium and they're probably that's probably where they're putting their gold and their yeah, apparently silver and their it, other stuff. Apparently Hubbard said for when he comes back and whatever, we you know, to or to survive in the future, money's going to be no good. You're going to be you're going to need jewels and gold. Well, right? they're putting they're putting his material on gold records. Okay? Yeah. What can you melt down for currency? Yeah, Gold and there's titanium. Records. You can't really melt titanium without advanced technology. Yeah. But you can't cut it into like spears. You know, you can make it into weapons for hunting. So Sure. This is anyway, really handy stuff. I'm just saying, if the zombie apocalypse happens and you want to hole up somewhere very secure. You could do worse. New Mexico, Running Springs. I suppose there's one in Montana or something. I don't know all the locations. Well, isn't there one at the old, no. Um, uh, Creston. The, yeah, Creston, right. I don't know if that's just his house or if they have a vault I, there I, too. I heard there was a vault there. Well, he but was it, keeping it, it, cash in the barn in Creston. Anyway, somebody, yeah, I, I want to make a movie about some poor suckers like opening this shit up in the future and, yes. and dying of pneumonia. It's just like, the hell is uh, that? We got, uh, hey, Denver Stevo says, yes, Goldie, he knew. I don't know what that means, but hey, Denver Steve-O. Um, hey, okay. Mark, hold on, Mark. Before yes. you forget, look on you, on the starred ones. We, we got a couple we got to answer. We got one from Claire that we oh, have yeah. to Here answer. Here we go. Oh, Xenu drink, outer space vodka, Mountain Dew with <laughs> lime cherries. Lime <laughs> and cherries. Okay. I like that. I like outer that. space vodka. I don't know what outer space vodka is. It's it, any it, vodka that you have that you can Well, no, call. but maybe there's a vodka called oh. outer space vodka. I don't know if that's oh, a thing. I don't want to diss their yeah. brand, but Outer Space Vodka, Mountain Dew, Lime, and Cherries. I love it. I love that better. I hate to break it to you, uh, John Satowski, but yeah. that is – and actually I did say like a, a Xenu Mule, and that is sort of a very close cousin well, to a yeah, mule, also, the vodka and the, and the lime. Oh, yeah. You're not allowed to show their brand because I found it. Oh, Claire no, nailed just, it. Is Here, it outer space vodka? Yeah, I can't. It won't work on my camera, but oh well. There's a, see the I like alien it. thing there. It's an alien head it. bottle. Perfect. Yeah, I'm going to get it. You need I'm to work get on it. Thank you, Clara. Hey, okay. how does Claire know about outer space vodka? Well, and you don't, because <laughs> Claire's got the Google machine that she can run while I'm oh, yapping okay. here. Okay, so this was I'm going to I'm going to say that's what it is, even though she's a total lush. Um, there is a guy. <laughs> I don't believe that. There is a guy. His name is John Roker. And yeah. um, and he shot. He's a direct. He's a video director. He yeah. did um, Green Day's. Um, he's done a bunch of work with Green Day. Uh -huh. on, I think American, the American Idiot tour and um, video and film, and he's done album art and stuff like that. And when I first got out, um, he had started. Um, he had started a religion. It's called like Lush. Real? It's like called Lushatology. <laughs> and um and they and he did this little trailer and he was like we don't want your um we don't want your money we just want your liver and then he would go to these oh that's awesome and he would go to these liquor stores and he'd be like and he went to scientology in the video i'll see if i can find the video and i'll put yeah, it please on the that sounds awesome. but he goes to scientology he's like we're not like these guys we don't want your money and then, then the next scene he, he's like at the liquor store something's like 
these are one of our churches and it's a liquor store in Hollywood on Hollywood Boulevard. And he's like, yeah, we don't want your money. We just want your liver. And, um, anyway, it's really funny, but the name of it was Lushatology. And, uh, and I was a Lushatologist for a very short period of time. Um, I was a card carrying member. Aren't we all, weren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Joni Cummings says, Question, can either of you get your hands oh, on any of the scripts? Sadly, no. I had a binder, like my own personal binder with my name on it that had all of the scripts in it. And I, you know, I. Did you also uh, have the binder of all of the things that you and Did you have a binder? No, no. Didn't you have a binder of all of the correspondence between you and David Miscavige at the base? No, because that would have filled my entire office. No, I'm serious. He told me one day that he was probably bullshitting because he's a consummate liar and he likes to say things to make people feel good. Yeah. And I was walking through his office and I never went there before building, before the big $50 million building. And uh, I went up with him to his office to have some kind of meeting, which is maybe the only time I never needed to go up there. Yeah. I mean, Claire can tell you she never saw me in that building. No, yeah. No reason to go. Well, I mean, I was there for 15 years. I may have been in that building maybe. 50 times. Yeah, I was there once and all the time that you were there. Well, so, so it, he didn't like people coming to see him. No, he <laughs> took me up there. We were going to talk about something. And, yeah. you know, and, and so we were walking by, remember the filing cabinets with the cranks on them? They moved. Yes. They a massive high filing. density shelving. Yeah. And we walked by there and he said, you know, there's more correspondence between you and me than there is between him and anybody else in the world. And, wow. you know, well, I believe yeah. It. I actually well, believe that. For whether, that, for that, whether it's a lie or not. I do believe it because you and him were writing to each other for many, many years, every single day. day. Yeah. Yeah, Multiple times. But every day. Um, It's okay. I'm going to put this up. It says, not a sheeple says, so how come if Claire is a lush, there's pics of you passed out on a sidewalk? Um, This is a good point. Um, I think more people that hang out with Claire should take pictures of her. <laughs> now, I'm not going to read this today, but this is the last letter I got from him in 2018. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so that's another thing. Mitch does have. I mean, you know, I do this thing with the spy files. I don't have a lot. I know, but I do, I do this thing with the spy files. I've got about 30 files that talk about me. And yeah. I just read them. You know, maybe. Yeah, maybe this one's kind of. This, is, this letter. This is the reason why they're, they're they can't do a hate site about me and say yeah. he was a nobody. He really didn't do any of these things. He was hey, this is a good. This thing we just showed is a good one for me. They said I was trying to drown people when I was six, yet I was highly uh, I was commended yeah, here exactly. in 1994. But I was in a this, good guy. In this letter, <laughs> he refers to me as a good friend, and he refers to our working relationship. Wow, that's so, hard. That's a yeah, hard. You one can't to... say this guy is nobody because I can just hold that letter up, and it's from yeah. 2018. It's like pretty recent. So anyway, you know, this is a great just, one. I'm going to show this. It says okay. Mila Kunas, um, a.k.a. C.O. Bilf. Question, have either of you seen slash heard any deets about the script Ella allegedly, allegedly just wrote hold on one second? with Lenny Reifenstahl? He's going to get the thing. Um, um, he didn't. I'm going to say this while Mitch is gone. Um, Mitch um, has something. He has all of the things that would have anything to do with this. He has all of it. And I want to say that David Miscavige gave it to him. But um, um, Ella Rach was writing a script about Africa. And he heard that 
Lenny had been to Africa. And I think he wrote to her. Now, Mitch can take over now. That okay, he's so here's a note from Dave. Handwritten. Do you recognize that handwriting, right, Mark? Yep, and I recognize his little, uh, little RTC. embossed little this is the, this is RTC. The desk, this is his desk notes, if he wanted to send you a desk note. And this says, Dear Mitch, this is from uh, in 1995. Dear Mitch, here's the data on Lenny Riefenstahl. Love, Dave. Now, so, set because, up why he sent that to you. Okay, here's why he sent it to me. One second. <laughs> Mitch, um, how, I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to do a whole video on this. So I don't yeah, want to get gonna, into it. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'm, but this is just a teaser for the video. Perfect. This is Lenny Riefenstahl's biography. It's not a small book, but I've been fascinated by her since I was in film school in the 70s uh, for a couple of reasons. And then, of course, then I ended up being the Lenny Riefenstahl of Scientology. There's a passage. She, so I'm sitting in my office at Gold. I'm reading this book. She starts talking about Oren Hubbard in this book. I'm like, holy moly. Uh, and she's talking about she's looking for somebody to re help her rewrite an English version of her most famous film, The Blue Light, which is a beautiful film, a silent film. You can see it on YouTube. The Blue Light, Das Blue Licht, or whatever, however you say that in German. And uh, she had an assistant who was a film editor who was studying at St. Hill. That's how the connection was made. They contacted Hubbard about writing it. And this is the script. Okay. It's called The Blue Light. This is the English version. Well, I'll read this to you. It says, original story by Lenny Riefenstahl, early screen version by uh, Bella Bellis, modern version by L. Ron Hubbard. And so he sent me back the script and um, all of the correspondence and uh, a lot of handwritten notes on how, how you, uh, on plot development and character development. And it may be the only stuff he ever wrote about writing because he wrote about everything, how to clean your car, how to go clear, how to polish your cat, whatever it is, whatever it is, he just wrote about everything. So, yeah, they answer the questions. Yeah, I know a little about that, but I am going to I'm going to do a whole video on it. Nice. There you go. There's yeah. the uh, answer. That's a good answer. I mean, for five bucks, this guy put. Uh, oh, yeah. He got a million here. dollar answer. For he five, got a million five dollar bucks. Answer. Discount yeah. day at the. At the market, Mitch make a Scientology film. We're having a we're having a bake sale here. Yeah, we're gonna end off on this. Uh, okay. This last this is the last of the questions. Yeah, because oh, I think I hear the lawyers about to pull it up. It says Zenu coat cocktail pan galactic gargle blaster. I like the um, name. I like. I do the name. like it. That could like be the name of the other one. Yeah. And then we'd have the ingredients, the pan galactic. But also, I like. I don't know. We're throwing away the Xenu, and Xenu is kind of like the Lee. It has to have. So it could yeah. be the Xenu pan galactic gargle blaster. It's I too know. long. We're, it's we're, we got to work on that a, one. A good name for a drink can't be more than three words. Sex on the beach. That's about as. That's, that's four. About as big sex on the. Yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, let me count the syllables. <laughs> um, hide current comment there we go um let me just uh, before we let's do some ha some housekeeping before okay. um, so we got to check out mitch's channel at scientology the big lie if you haven't subscribed um please do that um and yeah, if you're I'm watching doing an extensive video on this i was going to cut a documentary about it and but i still going, do that too yeah yeah i could but i'm going to do like a live stream about the lenny riversville thing I also I also uh, dedicate there's an entire chapter of my book about this and about Hubbard's claims of a filmmaker of having had a filmmaking career in Hollywood yes. and all that it's all kind of mixed together. Perfect. So you want to you want to you want to yeah, that you, nonsense. 
Yeah, you want to go to my uh, channel and you want to hit that notification bell because you'll get notified about when the book's released. Nice. And uh, you could read all about it. Okay, good. And then if you, again, I'm just putting up his Indiegogo. This will all be in the description, but I'm putting it up there. Uh, Indiegogo, just search Miss Br Mitch Brisker, Scientology, the, Bill, uh, the Big Lie. Um, we've got uh, Zeno is my homeboy and other tons of BFG merch can be gotten from the Blown for Good store. The link is in the description. And then if anybody, um, we sometimes we, um, we talk about all this stuff. We're talking about these individual films. The whole 15 years that I was there, I pretty much tell that story in my book, Blown for Good, Behind the Iron Curtain. Yeah, but you got the great escape story. I do I just, have a good I one. just Lottie Dodge drove off and decided not to come back. <laughs> I do think that Valerie Haney escaping yeah, okay. in the back Trunk of the a car. car oh, that's like that's yeah. that's some other that's some other. Oh, that's that is sense. no, that's that's like she raised the bar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us today, guys. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for all the yeah. guys that watch till the very end. And um, yeah, uh, if do we forget anything else? I think we'll do. No, th yeah, we're good. No, we're which good. Which film do we want to do next? Do we want to do? We should, I think we should do TR fourteen. I think okay, TR fourteen. That is the bit. angel and the devil film in Scientology. Yeah, this is the one that Hubbard. Uh, this is like he hated. He hated Catholics. Okay, like, he really takes. You're gonna learn all, all out. Uh, yeah. And that one does have an all-star studded cast as well. So, um, Yeah, and a lot of visual support. We both managed to pull together some good visual support for that. Yes. Oh, yes. It's going to be so good. Um, yeah. Okay, thanks a lot, oh, guys. Oh, and one more thing, just yeah. to tease it, it's going to blow your mind. If you watch that one till the end, we will reveal another document. Oh, yeah, us. we're going to keep these documents coming. We, I, got, I, I have another note from David Miscavige to me about that film. Yes, and so, we are also working on it. If you are out there in the world of uh, Scientology films and you have photos or videos or a document or a script or you were an actor and you read sides and you got had to get – send us your stuff. Um, we have already gotten a lot of – amazing photos and stuff like that that we've been sent and you will be seeing those throughout these films and these are some super super behind this yeah and it'll stuff. really help us to tell the stories because it really like, will we see these things and then all of a sudden we get it it triggers the memories and it's totally. crazy okay guys thanks a lot mitch thank you everybody thank you, we'll see you next time take care